Cult Collectibles is the number one site for historical items from the People's Temple, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo, and many other cults that you never even knew existed. Hundreds of hours of work have gone into curating our collection of unique and one-of-a-kind items from the dark history of these groups. We also have a large selection of true crime memorabilia from such notorious cases as Edmund Kemper, Jeffrey Dahmer, Charles Manson, and many more. We add new items to the site every week and post sales and auctions on our Instagram at Cult Collectibles. So visit us on the web at cultcollectibles.org today. Hey, this is Stephen Byer from Iron Films, and you're listening to Sick on Cinema. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sick on Cinema. I'm one half of your nut so hard you become the destroyer of the world podcasts. <laughs> I don't fuck that up, but it's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm your other half, Matt. And we are back here like a couple crack addicts smoking <laughs> like magic. I ain't done that in a while. <laughs> With a very special guest to talk about some weird fucked up animes, we are joined by none other than Psychonaut. Y'all, what up? <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing sir i'm good how are you guys tired but we're here we're gonna make it through this i promise <laughs> yeah yeah i can't imagine you're always doing this shit after work and stuff this is passion and dedication that's what it's all about boys. <laughs> it literally What's is the- like me texting matt like get this get the call started i'm on my way <laughs> Dude. yeah it's like it's, it's like essentially like like before i called i was like editing stuff and i was just like fuck this is taking forever and i looked at the clock i was like oh fuck i probably should get get this shit ready to go <laughs> i swear oh, any other fuck. day we're good but anytime we got a guest coming on or we're going to be on someone's show a method will come at the last second and just keep shopping i'm like you got to get out of the store man you got to go but <laughs> they're sending oh. them to you on purpose whoever's it's what it feels watching like. and trying to derail you <laughs> It's targeted. <laughs> it's targeted targeted method attacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But, this is gonna uh, be a fun episode. For those who don't know who Psychonaut is, well you will because he uh, has done the artwork for my, my project that is coming out hopefully next year. <laughs> and uh he's a fantastic artist uh that we love and we're excited to have you on. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate this. I appreciate getting to chat with you. I think it'll be a really fun time. <clears throat> but as always, I guess we should move into the listener question because we got a fair amount this week. So uh, questions, comments, and concerns can be sent to sickoncinema at gmail.com or you can wait to the wake of the episode. We're mostly about a weekly podcast. Been better about that recently. <laughs> 
and we'll post a lovely little <laughs> image with Dance of Skeletons, and you can ask in the comment section below. Right. We're we're better than we used to be. We used to be like once every five months <laughs> maybe <laughs> podcast, yeah. <clears throat> all right, it's all good, man. There's plenty <laughs> of content out there. People come oh, yeah. First up You is can't me. rush perfection. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> first up is Mr. Cole. Bros, I think Spooky is converting to the South. On one of his newer YouTube videos, he called Jess Franco his uncle daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently watching The Boneyard, recently covered by Show Me Something Wrong. It's a great hidden gem from the 90s. I don't know how I missed it. Is there any hidden gems from the 90s horror that you would recommend? I'm excited for the episode. What's up, Psychonaut? Love your work and the sick on cinema boys. Love love all what you do. Butter gang for loss. Loss. My God. Loss. Butter gang for life. Pure metal. Thanks. And buy a shirt. <laughs> He's the only one that ever pimps our merch, but you can buy a sick on cinema shirt. <laughs> He's the only one that ever pimps our merch. Because <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Fuck no. I don't. I'm terrible at marketing anything. Underrated nineties horror. You boys got anything? Because I actually do. I was on lunch break when I read this and made a list. <laughs> yeah. Uh off the top of my head, <clears throat> one that comes to mind that recently like went way up on my list and became kind of like a favorite. I feel like I'm gonna revisit it a lot now. Um was another one that showed me something wrong covered and I was so stoked about it because they did the episode like right after I watched it for the first time. And I was just like, Chloe, they did an episode on <laughs> But it was um, <laughs> it was it was a uh, Skinner. Skinner was fucking wild. That was that was a wild ride of a movie. And uh we we are big uh Ted Raimi fans, so it was super cool to see him in that. I actually prefer Ted Raimi over Sam Raimi. <laughs> So <laughs> I'm always excited when Tam Raimi shows there's up. John, there's John's hot take of the episode yeah. where everyone's going to fucking <laughs> hear this and try not to drive their car into ongoing traffic. Look, man. I, I love Sam Raimi like, yeah. behind the scenes, uh, but like I like Ted Raimi on camera. Like I think he's he's a, he's a fun guy as, a, as an actor, as a over-the-top character actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um I want him to sell me condoms out of his trench coat, like in the beginning of uh, Blood Rage. (laughs) (laughs) He'll always just like show up and shit too. Where you're just watching, you're like, "What the fuck is he doing in this movie?" (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like midnight. There's stuff I've seen like a bunch of times, and then like years later, it was like Ted Raimi was in this. When I see his like cameo (laughs) listed somewhere. Again, I'm pretty sure this one is '90s. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. Okay. I'll throw out the Ice Cream Man. Oh yeah, that's nineties. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just, yeah, I just want to make sure. Yeah, that movie's fucking wild. <laughs> yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I said, I said this often, but you know, fuck it. It's like a, uh, it's like a fucked up version of a Goosebumps book. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One hundred percent that vibe. That's awesome. <clears throat> So yeah, when I was on lunch break today, I just kind of went through the '90s and picked one movie for each year. <laughs> oh my god! Damn, hell yeah! Yeah. So uh, for 1990, I picked Singapore Sling. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if y'all have seen. I know Matt's seen that. I think. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. Uh, '91, Hiroku the Goblin by Shinya Sukimoto. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! '92, Ghost Watch. 
Oh fuck! Yeah, the, just watch this. I haven't awesome. seen that one. It's so good. You, yeah, make sure to watch that one. That one's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, ninety-three Necronomicon with Jeffrey Combs by Brian. Oh, that, that movie fucks really hard. And it does. Release. <laughs> Somebody oh, <yeah>. please. Uh, <laughs> lost count what year I'm in, but uh. <laughs> I, didn't write down, I didn't write down the years, but uh, Love Minus Zero Equals Infinity by Hisiyasu Ooh. Sato. That movie's fucking incredible. Nice. Um, Habit by Larry, Larry Fezzedin is a really fucking good movie. Uh, we Await by Chuck, what's his fucking name, Polonsi. <laughs> That's a fucking weird movie. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I know that one. It's by the same guy who did uh, Red Spirit Lake. Oh, okay. Okay. <clears throat> Snuff Kill by the guys who did Scary Tale is really fun. Oh, yeah, that was a fun one. This one's just for Herschel because I know he loves this movie, but uh, Disembodied. Oh, that's a really yeah. cool body horror movie. And uh, Scooter okay. McRae's 16 Tongues. Yeah, there's that's a 90s cool. recommendation. The 90s is kind of underrated, honestly. Like, yeah. they always get shit on. Like, every time you hear it, it's like, oh, the 90s sucked. And the later you get in the 90s, it does start sucking a little bit. But the early 90s really kind of fucked hard for horror. <laughs> yeah, there are some, like, <clears throat> really cool... Uh, it's just, like, a really cool uh, mash of aesthetics mm-hmm. in, in that time. There's a lot of, like, really cool experimentation that... Uh, uh, obviously, it's not quite as, like, full-blown as some of the stuff that was happening in the 80s. But it's still comparable. and It's still serviceable. Uh, for kind of keeping that spirit alive or trying to kind of revamp it in a new way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just of the, course, the spirit of experimentation, I guess. Yeah, because you got like like the the leftover like gore stuff from the late 80s, but then you got like some like Japanese pinku stuff and body horror stuff. You got shot on video dudes, and that's like the best era of shot on video too because like they're really yeah. pushing the boundaries. I don't know. I actually really like the 90s. Like, I think 90s was a great decade for her. <laughs> was that yeah, like, yeah. a Gorotica? Yeah, I almost went with Gorotica. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. I forgot it was the 90s, though. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, Mr. Cole, for the question, as always, and go listen to 84 Ounces of Freedom. Yes. Next up is Sleepy Mudman. Sleepy Mudman. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Been listening to the show while at work for the past two months, and I'm almost caught up from the beginning. That's fucking impressive. Jesus. And I Hell apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Why? That was early That's what I did. Man, that was rough. Yeah. Gosh. Y'all are wild. Why? I was wondering if you played any visual novels. There's a ton of amazing, disturbing VNs I think are super effective, such as Song of Seiya, Euphoria, Tulpa, When They Cry, and even Doki Doki Literature Club. Anyways, hope you had a great week. Cheers. Yo, When They Cry is my shit. (laughs) (laughs) Ryu Kishio 7 is fucking awesome. I'm so stoked that he gets to do a mainline Silent Hill entry. I hope that it's good because it looks like all the other new Silent Hill stuff is going to suck ass. So I'm really hoping that Silent Hill Forte is is rad. Um, I'm super stoked about that. Yeah, when but, I had uh, this question, I was like, I think this is for you. Yeah, visual novels uh, anyway. Like, I haven't played a lot of that stuff, but I, uh, When They Cry is just uh, really close to my heart. But um, there was another one that I had started. Uh, I, I didn't finish it, admittedly, but I just uh, traded, in, traded it in for some other stuff recently. But uh, there was this one I had on the Switch called... Um, Deathmark, 
that was pretty cool. Uh, it had a lot of really awesome uh, visuals in it, but I, uh, I don't know. It started to get a little too like etchy for me with the, the, it just was doing a lot of weird fan servicey stuff that was really taking me out of the creep factor of it. So I was just like, meh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and dumped it off. But, but it's, it's, it's got some cool art and I'm sure the story it's is rad as it continues to go on. It seemed pretty intriguing. I just didn't uh, get into it pretty picky with them. I was the only one of those I'm familiar with is euphoria. And I'm more, okay. uh, I'm know that more from the anime than the actual like visual novel. Mm-hmm. That, it, from what I know about that, it's pretty fucked up. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know if I played any like visual novel stuff. I don't know. Is Corpse Party a visual novel thing, or is that more of like an RPG? I think it was like it was made an RPG maker, mm-hmm. like the original version was. But I mean, it, it essentially it it plays like a visual novel, except for the parts where you're kind of like walking around. Uh, in the little 2d environment that's probably there's a lot I've of like really long like dialogue sequences and stuff well, it's like i remember those like web games it was like it's kind of like point and click type type things but it mm-hmm. is sort of like a like novel type thing where like you have like like where you literally almost have to like turn the page on it or they go to yeah, the next yeah. room uh there's just one like i playing new ground porn no <laughs> <laughs> No, there's this one about this haunted house. I don't remember the name of it, but there's there's one I do remember by the title. It was like Ex Mortis or something like that, and it was a fucking wild game. I don't know if that counts because <laughs> I'm this is something I know very little about. So yeah, you ever play a uh, meat and fuck Din Weasel? <laughs> what the fuck is no. that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're just talking about like Newgrounds porn games and brought back <laughs> war flashbacks <laughs> dude yeah new grounds is wild <laughs> new grounds is new grounds is still wild i, I got on there recently existed. just to see how things were and it's still it, it has a lot of the same like tenets of its aestheticisms as as it did before it's kind of fucking wild man i didn't realize that that kind of like internet culture still existed yeah, the, the last Newgrounds thing I remember was it was it was like a Flappy Bird clone, but it was not eleven. And I was like, "Damn, dude, that's <laughs> so fucking still Sorry, wild, I need man. To, I need to not cackle like a madman, but no, like that was a, that was good. <laughs> Fuck. But, uh, that's that's a grim game right there. <laughs> Thank you, Slippy Mud Man, for the question. Yes, thank you. They make music as well, so. Yeah, she uh, she makes a lot of dope music. Did she oh, yeah. or she not uh, do the theme song for the one episode of It's the Best? I'm trying to remember if that was her or somebody else. It, her, Herschel got the connections. <laughs> I, th- I think she did the open casket thing. Okay. Either yeah, way, good stuff. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Dude, I love I love that, like, break core style shit so much i i like hyper focus on like art pieces i'm making and stuff with like long ass playlists of that kind of stuff it's... i love the open casket theme right now dude break core is the most add friendly genre ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just it's just a bunch of shit happening and you're just like okay let's fucking go <laughs> it's also really good for like suicidal mania <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a joke <laughs> but i've seen a lot of well, there's a dark underbelly to the uh the fan uh community side of, of oh. great core <laughs> oh there's like like sub genres of it that like get pretty dark <laughs> that ain't like because i don't know genres i'm terrible at genres that ain't like like the stuff that peter soto did is it no that's, no no, uh, no power electronics okay 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 yeah uh, no break core is like a it's very like it's very like weeaboo friendly <laughs> like it, <laughs> it it has a lot of like anime connotations and stuff um was there's a really uh decent artist uh they have some like fire ass tracks called a uh, gore shit like oh, one yeah. word you should you should check them out there's some really good ones from them there but they all have like weird like questionable fucking <laughs> shit like it referenced in the songs but ultimately it's usually like anime samples with like weird like hyper drum and bass jungle beats and shit um, yeah but there's like another one called like lolly in early 20s or like some shit like that uh it, <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of weird artists in there but uh sewer slot's a really good one but sewer slot is oh. the one you listen to if you are suicidal <laughs> because all their songs are about like suicide and psychosis <laughs> but uh they're good though <laughs> I, came across this, kind of thing. I came across this one project i can't remember the, the actual name of it because it was literally spelled out in like what, what would be emoticons so it's like <laughs> Yeah. It's like it's not even a name, so it's just a bunch of shit put together to make a face. I, yeah. I'll have to send it to you after uh, after we're done. Yeah, if you can find it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Let me know. I'm pretty sure. Like when I found it, I was like, "Oh, this is sick," and I hit like on it. So hopefully, it's still there. It's always kind of cool when artists do that kind of stuff, but then at the same time, I'm like, "Man, you're never gonna gain like any traction." Like no. at all. Like you're you're done so. Like <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna catch on at all. But like, maybe the in, inaccessibility is the point or something. I don't know. Some people are, are like that. <laughs> True. It's very possible that it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I made this un you know unrecognizable name on purpose so <laughs> no one can find my shit. It's like, okay, why though? I don't know. <laughs> next up we have box creep films howdy amigos tis the season and all and just wanted to express my gratitude for all the good times together your show is really awesome and i'm grateful to have been featured on it this last year keep up the oh, good yeah. work big thanks for all the listeners of this show as well who th took interest in my work you're all very appreciated may santa place a rubber chicken in all your stockings merry christmas to all Oh, yeah, and if a robber wanted your DVD collection, how many punches to the balls do you think you could take before you told him he can have it? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> nah, man, I'm going down swinging over my fucking dead body. It's like, do you know how much well, money this cost me? Because not even I do. <laughs> no, bro, the, the, the principle of it would be like, this motherfucker's gonna hawk this shit at a pawn shop for like cents a piece, and I know what this shit's actually worth. Right. And I'm not I'm not gonna let if someone's gonna kill me, it needs to be like jewel thief, like art thief style, like somebody who's planned this and they know what they're taking and they know what they're gonna do with it. Not some random asshole who's like breaking and entering. Like he's not gonna be the one to get my shit. No way. Dude. <laughs> like if it's a situation where like I'm forced like forcefully being pounded in my balls, just like forcefully punched, then Punch I'm taking day, a lot of punches. 
<laughs> What's all day, you son of a bitch? I ain't giving it up. Luckily, I always wear a metal studded chastity. Because <laughs> ain't nobody boy. getting my pee pee. <laughs> Got that shit on lockdown. You just gonna hurt your That's head. for Chloe on our wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck man. but um thank you Stephen, for the interesting question oh god <laughs> and definitely also everybody... yes sorry <laughs> no go ahead I, to steven uh i really need to get around to buying all your shit i've just been broke as hell this year so i'm gonna put in a big box creep films order at some point <laughs> so <laughs> be looking for it and so should all the other listeners because this shit's good Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Hell the rubber chicken. Oh, uh, hell. Hell Stephen Grishchuk and his beautiful head of hair. He's got a beautiful hair. That he tried to burn off, but still upset. <laughs> God. Next up his is poor Mike. Aunt. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Next up is Mike Brushaber, who has a very simple one. Favorite sports movie? Hmm. Objectively, hmm. the only answer is the blind side. <laughs> I want those that that fat fucking white jeans mom butt white savior Sandra Bullock all day every day, dude. It took me a second to even remember what movie that was. I was like Blindside, and then it, like I saw the poster in my head. I'm like, oh shit, that one. For some reason, I thought you. Some reason, my brain was matching the poster for Remember the Titans. <laughs> Bro, we all know why people really watched The Blind Side. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even give a shit about Sandra Bullock's, like, baby circumcision eye injections to stay looking young. If she she be be coming, walking in, strutting in some white jeans, (laughs) I'll sit. Sandra Bullock. (laughs) My God. You've killed Matt. It's over. That's real, though. By the way, she got Wait. she kind of like caught, caught cornered into questions about it on like Ellen or something, and she was like real reluctant to talk about it. It was really funny. Oh my god! Oh, so what's your favorite sports movie, Matt? Oh fuck! I'm I don't even know where to begin. Oh fuck! Uh, Rocky. I was going Rocky. Uh, that's a fair. That's a fair shout. <laughs> Oh fuck! Um, I don't know. Dodge We're going <laughs> dodgeball, dodge wrenching, dodgeball. You know everybody loves that. Uh, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll cough out and go with uh, Rocky as well because I just I don't know. <laughs> Understanding. <laughs> I feel like Rocky is too good of a movie to be an answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, it's because like, I don't even think about it as a sports movie. <laughs> yeah, it's transcendent. I... <laughs> Oh, I've shit. got my answer. He's got Wait, it. What is it? No holds barred. No. All right. Hang on. Uh, hold up. Hold up. Hulk Hogan and Zeus. Hulk Hogan versus Zeus, brother. Uh, I was going to say, here comes the boom starring Kevin James. Hell yeah. Kevin James. Oh my Kevin God. James. Kevin James is a fucking national treasure. <laughs> I love that picture of him just like slumped over as like becomes. I love that shit so much, man. It's like this is awesome. Chloe and I were obsessed with that shit for like a week straight. (laughs) That fucking video of him like 
at the fucking NASCAR race. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Stafford Yard. Did you slide the fucking microphone? Said no. Yeah, it just disappeared. <laughs> You were spirited away. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Probably the best. <laughs> oh, my fucking wow. God. Well, oh, my God. Thank you, Mike Brush Aver, for the questions. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Next up is Just Doe. Loving the mild symptoms episodes, which, uh, thank you all. Uh, the Jonathan Doe episode was one of our best listened to episodes. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Dude, it was so good. I, you know, I'm not proud of a lot, but I actually was really proud of that episode. <laughs> yeah, man. You should be. That was dope as hell. That was really good. Uh, his question is, what's the most extreme movie you have in your collection? Oh, shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, guess I have to think about it. <laughs> it's pretty subjective. It is. That's the thing. It's like, I don't, there's one I can think of off the top of my head. It's like, I don't even want to mention it because we mentioned this fucker literally every goddamn episode. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> I don't think I actually have any Dora movies with animal shit in them. I think I only have like Cannibal and well, Voyage to Agatis has a sea cucumber, but that doesn't fucking count. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's too stupid to care about. It's not cute. <laughs> Confirms It's too low of a life form. <laughs> um, it's too low of a life form. I, I guess white gardenia stuff, like from maybe an objective level yeah uh, yeah I, I have a ton of white gardenia stuff i mean that's that's probably technically what it would be probably yeah probably <laughs> i just say that it's like yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> i don't think something isn't white gardenia i mean I got vasta noche yeah that's more animal stuff though. that feels kind of cheating too because everybody immediately is going to have a visceral reaction to that yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I um, know, like, lucifer valentine movies Mm. Uh, that would be one but even yeah, then probably... i feel like a lot of it's like because of the current reputation more so than the actual content of the films sure. yeah i'm trying to think of something that's not that fucking box set <laughs> well, i was gonna say like you got yours i mean you got a, literally an entire box set of people dying <laughs> that's true i mean i feel like that has to be my answer right yeah <laughs> I mean, there's the like Come Fuck Boulevard mixtapes have some pretty nasty shit in them too, but I don't know. I don't think it's on the same level of nastiness as fucking Traces is, so it's got to be Traces. It's Charlotte's Net. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not technically wrong. That's a thing. I mean, it's right? got some gnarly shit in it. <laughs> He didn't say it's good. Packaged, movie. It's packaged in not a great way. He just said nothing about quality. He just said extreme. Yeah, I'm gonna shit on that fucker's wallet. Man, that's a man. I did a cover for that one. Oh shit! I'm sorry. <laughs> there you know, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen the movie until I had agreed to the commission and watched it for the commission. But like, well, you, you know. know. Just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I, I, forgot you did, whatever. I forgot you did the artwork to that one. I'm so sorry. Is it the toxic filth one you did the artwork? No, it's the uh it's the underworld one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Show don't know. showcased 
in very lovely shots on JD's channel where he's shitting on it. <laughs> Not that I have anything to do with the movie, so like who gives a shit? But like it's just like it's funny because I was just like, oh nice, that's really cool to see that showcase that way. And then I'm just like, oh yeah, it's also shit. <laughs> <laughs> but oh well. Actually, I don't, I don't <laughs> mean any harm to that kid. Uh, I, I feel like it was just like a, a fad passing thing for him. Good for him for for getting some notoriety for like a flash split second on the internet. Who cares? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, thank you, Just Doe, for the question. And check out Just Doe's music as well. Yes. Uh, Mike really Rush is also in a band. Check his shit out as well. All of these listeners are like fucking talented as hell. I don't know. <laughs> We're just everyone is. Everyone who comes on this show and talks with this show is way more talented than the people who are on this show. <laughs> Next up is Shock and Schlock, and I haven't read his question, but I bet it has something to do with Donald Farmer. Let's find out. I bet. <laughs> How much money do I have to pay you to do a Donald Farmer episode? There you go. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> a man can only ask so many times, and money talks. Do you hear it? My Chris Washingtons, he's saying, John, please forgive Don. Herschel's right. Oh, and Matt, why is Red Lips a three if it slaps? <laughs> Matt, you got some answering to do there, buddy. Uh, I'm going to play the fifth and move on. <laughs> this episode is about anime, contributing to the trend of actually covering good movies. What got you into anime in the first place? Well, we'll start there. What got you all into anime? Uh, for me, it was, uh, I had a friend, it, it was a person who was in my, one of my dad's bands when I was a kid and he was, uh, cool and, and, uh, was showing me all kinds of cool shit, like movies and, and shows and music and stuff like that. And he, uh, recommended, I think the, the OG Helsing series, like the 13 episode mm -hmm. Helsing series, uh, and I sat down and watched that, and I was just like, "All right, hell yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think for me, it's, it was Toonami, you know, on Cartoon mm -hmm. Network, and not even I not even realizing it was anime at the time with stuff like Dragon Ball Z and Gundam and shit like that. Uh, I can't say I'm some, like a big anime fan. Like I definitely had, like had a phase where I really was really into it, but uh, yeah, Toonami would be what got me into it for sure. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. For, for me, it was Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Z. That's what yeah. got me into it. But the show that made me stick around was Fooly Cooly. Hell yeah, man! Yeah, Fooly Cooly's great. <laughs> yeah, it's that's still amazing. To this day, is like one of the best fucking things you can recommend to anybody if they're like oh, not yeah. versed in anime. <clears throat> it's so fucking so good. fucking good. It's so succinct. It's so short and perfect, and it just yeah. has like that banging fucking soundtrack. The pillows oh, knock the it pillows. out of the fucking park. <laughs> it's so good. it's so timeless too. It's like nostalgic, but also like that kind of music is still being made to this day. So it, it like fits for any time. <laughs> like oh yeah, it doesn't feel dated. And of course, like I'll of course give a shout out to an anime that is. Uh, so so close to my heart that you know it's probably one of the only ones I actually like own myself, and that's uh, Cowboy Bebop. Hell yeah, I fuck I fucking love Cowboy Bebop. Probably it's probably it's still like one of my favorite like shows, like without you know anime or whatever. It's still one of my favorite shows of all time. I'm due for a rewatch. 
It's good shit, man. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the thing that like yeah. kept me into anime was like movies. So like the Studio Ghibli stuff, Akira. Yeah, yeah. Perfect Blue. You know, that's what I like. That's what I prefer more than now than ever. Even just watching series, I'd rather just sit down and watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, technically, I guess like that probably would have been my earliest exposure because even separate from Helsing, like I had, I had been, I you know, I'd watched like Toonami and seen the stuff they would run on like Adult Swim and stuff too. But I guess I didn't count it because it was like just stuff on TV versus stuff I like saw out or was yeah. like recommended or whatever. But like, uh, I had a really cool uh aunt who was really traveled and she uh was visiting around like thanksgiving one year and she actually brought and let us keep a dvd copy of spirited away and i remember being like fucking blown away Mm -hmm. by it man like that was a transcendent (laughs) experience (laughs) as a kid (laughs) yeah so uh herschel goes on to ask have y'all heard of pink pineapple Herschel, no. <laughs> brother, you told me about us. <laughs> I believe you're the one who told What me. is pink pineapple? I believe it's pink. pornography. Oh. Pink pineapple is a uh, Japanese uh, hentai label. Uh, oh, that, uh, okay. Yeah, it produces some pretty nasty shit. Like they did, uh, was it Bondage Game and uh, Isle Maniacs? Taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Isle Maniac. That shit was fucked up. Uh, and for Psychonaut. Oh. Why are you sitting with these two goobers? You're better than this. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> I think but also I, I don't I don't mean that in like a deprecating way. <laughs> I just mean that in a self aware way. <laughs> I think that's his invitation for the uh, open casket. <laughs> <laughs> are you sure because i think herschel's like the first one to admit that he thinks the open casket is like the shittiest thing like ever <laughs> he'll oh say it God. like not publicly in like private discords like he'll yeah. just be like yeah our show sucks <laughs> <laughs> that's the charm of it all right <laughs> herschel's I, I, like... I think it is <laughs> Ursula Spooky both very like the fucking open cast it's like putting your fucking headphones into a fucking garbage can. Dude, I'm so glad that uh y'all upload as regularly as you do because this stuff like really does get me through work days too. <laughs> and when it comes to open casket, because you on like Spotify it's like it'll just start playing shows that you need to catch up on or whatever, like after yeah. each episode ends. So it's like when the open casket comes in the rotation, I'm just like, okay, I have to be prepared to contain myself because I don't want to like make a fucking scene at work by like losing my shit laughing. Dude, that that reminds me of well, this time I was at school. Like it was it was when I was in the te- uh, tech school for like graphic design bullshit, <laughs> and I was listening to Small Town Murder for the first time, mm-hmm. and I swear to God, those fuckers made me laugh so hard I had to leave. I had to walk out of the room and go and go to the bathroom to like just stop. Oh, I was like, I don't even I don't remember what they said, but it was so fucking funny that I had to leave the room. I, I had a group chat years ago with two friends, um, and we were all working like quiet computery type jobs, and uh, the thing we would do like every day in the group chat is send each other like the most batshit absurd fucked up 
off the wall fucking like memes or like short <laughs> videos or whatever we could like fucking find and it would be like like we were like terrorizing each other trying to make each other have like outbursts <laughs> dude i swear to god some of the shit so you shit some of the stuff you said to like uh our group chat oh my fuck <laughs> <laughs> you said some of the most absurd fucking memes I've ever seen. And I'm just like, fucking A. <laughs> Fuck, man. Like, every time I open up the yeah. meme, the meme Discord, I'm just like, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I'm glad you get enjoyment out of it. <laughs> I love it so much. But uh, thank you, Shock and Schlock, as always. And he's been on roll with some reviews. Go check his channel out, of course. Yes. Hell yeah. The boy. Next up is Zombies 8 Keegan. <laughs> With the best profile picture. I was going to say the best profile picture. Sup, <laughs> <Something> butter weebs. <laughs> God. <laughs> Do y'all know any lesser known gory slash disturbing anime? Or maybe just some that you think deserve more attention? Anyway, your Kawaii Donald Farmer body pillow is in the mail. <laughs> butter that boy up good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not well versed in much. Like I literally just asked this exact same question to Herschel and Spooky the other day. <laughs> oh yeah, because like the ones I know, I think are the ones that most people would know, like Fist of the North Star or uh, Kite or uh, Ninja Scroll stuff like that would be the ones I would recommend. Yeah. But I think most people know that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, just because of the nature of the medium, like there's not a lot of stuff that's allowed to slip like under the radar unless it's like real rough and not like like quality assured enough to be worth like getting <laughs> wide release or whatever which i don't think a lot of that even really happens that ever gets into the english speaking world i i was gonna say kite as well uh i guess another one would be um <clears throat> oh man i don't remember the name of it actually but there was this like really solid like grounded uh, feudal Japan like samurai anime I remember watching uh, back in the day in like three part episodes on YouTube and shit um, that was just like uber violent <laughs> <laughs> and like and like really like stark and seemed like it took itself pretty seriously and that was that was interesting uh, um, one that's recent that's not actually like super gory I guess but uh, but it's really interesting and if you're um, into like short form horror might like microfiction or like junji ito stories or something you'll probably like it is called a uh, yami shibai <clears throat> and it's a uh, japanese ghost stories and it uh it's really interesting it's like not super fluidly animated it's a lot of like uh puppet animation and that sort of a thing and these like short like three to five minute episodes of this just these creepy little stories and sometimes they're kind of gruesome sometimes they're not but it's a uh, it's a really neat show um and you can get it from a uh, Sentai Filmworks, and it's like a, a Blu-ray that has like both seasons, but it's it's really short. It's like sub two hours. You can watch the whole thing from front to back, and oh, wow. it's just really cool if you like that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, that sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> um, though, like the one I'm, I'll I'll go with it's one I mentioned earlier. It's not even like it's like super gory. It's just so fucked up. That's all maniacs. That fucking mm -hmm. it. That series is. <laughs> it, it, it's it's hentai. It is. 
it's fucked. Like at one point, like this, like demon, like fucks someone's chest, like their whole like <laughs> fucking chest cavities. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Herschel was like, here, watch this. I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh god, this is fucking if, horrible. If you're looking to read and you don't mind like really fucked up porno, you could always oh, go no. down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you want to leave your yeah. moral bag at home. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I love Uzi Gawada. I do do kind of actually. <laughs> he's he's a depraved little freak, and I love him for it. He's <laughs> such a weird little man. No, like... I don't know if you've seen uh, the special features on um the live action adaptation of My Chan, but like yes. he's in it, and he's just this. He's exactly what I expected him to be. <laughs> he's like this little ham <laughs> with like greasy hair <laughs> and a rat face, and I and I'm like. Hell yeah. It's like, king. I've definitely never experienced anything else that makes me feel the way an Uzugawada story makes me feel. Like, you're just like, God that's, damn, dude. That's so true. <laughs> In like the worst way. Yeah, you finish one, you're just like, fuck, dude. I probably shouldn't have read that, but oh well. <laughs> I remember I was like, uh, I was talking to John and you know, Spooky and Herschel and all, and all of them, and I was like, well, you know, it's since some fucked up like manga's over, and John was sending like, like, don't worry, fucking, brother, I got you. <laughs> you sent this one where a bitch becomes a toilet, <laughs> becomes a whole toilet. Yeah, yeah, his stuff is what, rough. dude. dude. <laughs> When you read an Uziga Waida manga, it's like, once you finish the last page, you're like, well, that's another sin to atone for. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I like now I have wrong. to, like, go out and, like, return shopping carts or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, like, put balance back into the universe. You gotta, you gotta start, like, flagellating yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I just keep a cat of nine tails around just for when case. I'm reading Uziga Waida. I'm like flipping pages and hitting myself. <laughs> oh, they're deep frying her. Well, that's at least two. This comes across to me as some like modern day, like Albert Fish shit. You're just going through yeah, Uziga yeah. Waida books like. <laughs> just like, all right, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Arrow oh, in, in general might have been like the worst blight on humanity as far as art movements ever went. <laughs> like, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean I you know. see how the reaction is now, like trickling down into the states with like the the U.S. scene, and we're already seeing so much pushback from people. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah, the people who do that style, they're definitely you know. People look at that shit and they're like, mm, I don't know about that. And they're it's like, well, it's just yeah. it's just artwork, man. And then some people are just like, No, fuck you, no, it's not. It's like what no, it, I don't I know. Think, I think I think rape and torture if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's like what always like what like what gives me that like skeevy feeling I'm reading that kind of stuff is like it was written to be jerked off to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's yeah. erotic. That's you the, know that's the the thing, right? But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, I, I always uh, I'm really curious about just the overall trajectory of like Aroguro art in general in like Japanese culture, like all the stuff that we're never going to have like insight on as far as the trajectory from like inception to now went, because I feel like it's been so blown out 
<laughs> at this point yeah. and like turned into something way darker than what it initially <laughs> even was yeah <laughs> um it's just like damn like some of the stuff that is produced now is just wild man wild. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you look at like the early like forms of it, it's like you know like a like a new girl like like cutting herself in like in half or something like that right and now it's like i deep fried her i fucked her and i ate her (laughs) (laughs) in that order like there was a gawada one that like always like sticks in my head is the one where where you may have read it silas but uh where like uh this little girl watches her mom be like fucking just destroyed basically like just cut to pieces disassembled <laughs> i don't think i have read that one it's in one of his I compilations also... <laughs> okay i also haven't read the um the junko Furuta one i didn't even know about that one until like some one of you guys or the podcasts and 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 whoever uh like mentioned it and i was just like oh my fucking god <laughs> yeah. like, that's 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 horrid man <laughs> I'm like dude I, can, heard- I I I heard that this manga existed and I could I there was a wafting smell. <laughs> <laughs> dude, oh a, my god! A stench like, was released upon the earth. <laughs> it's just like I just imagine you just sitting there listening to it and it's just like yeah, and uh, Uzugawara made a Junko fruit of a manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Thank you, uh, Zombies 8 Keegan, for the question. Hope we gave you some good recommendations. I don't, I don't know if I really actually recommend Uzaga. Like, you gotta like... No! <laughs> but next up... I do. <laughs> Fuck your mental health. <laughs> next up is the real rival. Rival. That's why we gotta do it every time. Who says, ho, 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 weebs. I, I don't know what this weebs... <laughs> I'm not a weeb, man. <laughs> I barely watch anime. <laughs> Yawn at huffing copium. Bro, <laughs> if you're fat and bearded, you're an honorary weeb. <laughs> I'll take whether that. you like anime or not. <laughs> this I've gone through like years long periods of no anime watching whatsoever, and I'm still like I, I just you can't you can't drop the title. You got it. It's there. It's got it forever. <laughs> this is your burden to bear. Stained. <laughs> You've been stained. <laughs> You've been cursed. <laughs> this coming year, my idea for a uh, watch project is to see a movie made in every country on Earth. Oh my God! What are some countries you'd be interested in seeing more cinema from? I think I'll do this by continent to keep it less confusing. My recommendation is Cookers. I think I said that. In this, a group of meth heads find an abandoned house in the woods to brew up a big batch of meth and use it the whole time. Is the house haunted, or are there paranoid delusions setting in? Great drugged-out performances, even if the movie has a soap opera vibe. Brother, just sounds like right here. Rad. Sounds like our our next door neighbor. Yeah, (laughs) that sounds really cool. I got it. Does actually sound really cool. Yeah. What country do you want to see more cinema from? Uh, Oh my god, I came across the wall. Do do what? Djibouti. It's what Djibouti dubs back in the day. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, man. Where was KFC out of? What what country was that? <laughs> that was Vietnam. Yeah, I'd like to see more of that stuff if it's like that, because that was fucking interesting. <laughs> yeah. I want to see more movies from Nigeria, dude. Oh, shit. <laughs> dude. Oh, my God. 
Like, oh, was fuck a... that. Wakale would. <laughs> well, no, well, Wakale would is, of course, cl- classic shit. It's classic shit for us. Um, but, like, I was going through, like, some of the, movie, the horror movies being made in Nigeria, and I swear to God, this shit's insane. Like, there's a Christian horror movie they made called 666, like, The Devil at Large or some shit like that. <laughs> And it's got this like like the audio's blown out to hell. <laughs> so, so this the devil's just like ah! <laughs> it's like fucking loud as shit. And there's like oh my god, I just had like it's one of those things you just have to look up and see for yourself. It's insanity. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keep us uh I want I wanna see some good like Antarctic horror. That'd be kinda cool. Right? That'd be sick, yeah. I was never thinking. I was like, that's, "Sure, that's a continent." Though. <laughs> well, <you know. laughs> uh, I don't have a specific country in mind, but I think it would be cool to see anything out of a. I just want more like se- horror specifically. I want more like South American horror. Mm. Uh, oh yeah, would be really cool. Just because I think there's a lot of a social commentary to be mined down there, as far as that facet of using the genre conventions goes that and like folklore of like different areas around the world like like in japan mm-hmm. with uh uh what's it called fuck yokai yes yokai and using like stuff like that like that shit's yeah. always fascinating what's like nori the curse we watched recently that movie's fucking amazing hell yeah and they use like you know certain like bits of folklore and shit like that and i love that shit so much folklore is just awesome <laughs> I was thinking, it's like, what about Mongolia? I don't know if I've ever seen a movie out of Mongolia. I don't think I have either. Yeah, I don't know if I have either. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> that, that, like, ring a bell, like, I have seen something, but I, it would have been years ago, and I can't remember anything now, but, um, yeah, just literally anything. I just, I just want to see more world cinema in general. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Looks like I've seen on that. Right one. Oh yeah, like a fucking crazy fucking hall, <laughs> dude. Like I've like I've seen mo- movies from some like weird part, like some different parts of the world where you where you wouldn't like, like expect. You know, some of these movies to be from like like you know like Kuwait, Egypt, mm-hmm. stuff like you know like of course like Turkish cinema is like fucking like renowned as like the like trash <laughs> capital of like the yeah. world. I fucking love Turkish <clears throat> cinema. It's so fun. North Korea. Hell yeah. Oh. <laughs> what dude. would a North Korean horror movie be? Like, like oh, I want to know like what their what their propaganda dude. spin would be on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Polkasari is the closest thing to that. With the big ass fucking Taiju monster. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I need to send that to you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just send I me about movies that. in general. Send me all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah, Whenever you feel like it, make me part of your rotation. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I can I can send you uh, like I can send you like a list of shit I've got. So, hell yeah, but, I'd be down for that. But uh, thank you, Rye One, as always, and for the recommendation. That actually sounds really cool. I'm gonna add that to my watch list. <laughs> yes. Next up is the Shrimp Doll. Shrimp Doll. <laughs> what's, a, what's a film some people have difficulty watching that you can you can't take your eyes off of? For me, it's got to be irreversible or solo. Excited to hear what y'all have to say in this episode. Nonsense uh, for Pinocchio. 
Nazi for Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, movie's like, fucking insane. <laughs> I definitely did show uh, that to somebody one time because it was an electronic musician, and uh, we made a music video using scenes from it. And he was kind of like, "What the fuck is this movie?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I was thinking Begotten. Ooh, yeah, I know, uh, which I don't know if it's because of how extreme it is, but a lot of people just hate that movie because they think it's really boring. <laughs> and I know I really kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. Trying to um, think of a uh, something that's considered like just like visually taxing without even it having to do with like the extremity of the content or whatever, mm-hmm. but just like the style of the movie. Maybe I don't, maybe. Probably another No Way movie, like a, I don't know, like uh, Enter the Void or Into mm-hmm. the Void or, or something like that. But in terms of like uh, extreme stuff or horror, probably like murder set pieces, uh, mm. just because I can't get enough of that 30 millimeter, man. <laughs> like, I don't give a shit what's being shown on screen. I'm just like, oh, that film grain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that film grain during this disgusting, brutal rape. Did you see uh, uh, Gaspar Noe's Lux Eterna? No, I haven't seen it yet. I've been meaning to get that like really nice release of it. Uh, it's that's a like a movie that's visually brutal. Like the oh, last like yeah. ten mm-hmm. minutes is just a strobe effects that just gets faster and faster and faster as the movie goes along. Is that the one about dementia? No, Lux Eterna is the one. It's like it's on a movie set and it's got a help me, Matt. What's her names? Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Yeah, oh, okay. and uh, Brigitte. What's mm. her name? She's from inside. Uh, but it's like they play uh, themselves and they're like trying to make this movie and like it's falling apart. And like as the movie starts to like fall apart, like the visuals, like literally, like it's like red, green, blue, red, green, blue. And it just keeps going and going and gets faster and faster and faster and faster. Uh, it's okay. wild. <laughs> That's cool. I really liked it. It's very much a seizure inducing, though. I'll say that. <laughs> I love that shit, though. Yeah, I, I remember I had to take this shit for a headache afterwards. But <laughs> yeah, I probably but I, I, some Advil beforehand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. like me and John were like, "Oh, well, let's watch this." You know, it's it's Gaspar Noé. I guess we didn't expect to be hit with a barrage of like essentially like Eric Andre hitting with a nightmare, nightmare, nightmare <laughs> over and over again. Probably but, should yeah. have with Noé. Oh, like that's kind of his thing, right? <laughs> yeah. That or just making the most bleak fucking stories you can think of. He plays with visuals like so much. Like, like I haven't seen it yet, but um, the one you're talking about with that dementia is like it's done like split screen. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. He's such a fascinating filmmaker. <laughs> he is. That's, uh, that one's Vortex. Vortex. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think was I that have... the one I was thinking of. I think so. Yeah. With okay. uh, Argento's <clears throat> in it, I believe. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah, yeah. and. I need to watch that one. The, the length and the subject matter is very daunting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But uh, thank you, Shrimp Doll. Shrimp Doll. Shrimp Doll. <laughs> Next up is the mean god, Pepichok. Oh, God. <laughs> Who uh, <laughs> comes out swinging. Big Chungus question here. Oh, Lord. <laughs> how do you all feel about the current state of technology in society joker from sean the sheep farmageddon i don't know what, oh, that even means. what the fuck 
<laughs> in half a decade, I've went from a techie nerd team to more of a computer boomer than my dad who sucks up new tech. Just feels like everything has stagnated and bloated up in price, especially with gaming, where people are already fucking asking for PS5 Pro Xbox Series XXXs as people have only just got theirs. Just wondering y'all's <laughs> thoughts from the perspective of low-budget horror super nerds who vore up physical media. At last, no, but at least up. nowadays, it's easier than ever <laughs> to make your own movie for better or for worse. So I guess just a general thought on modern technology. It's it's funny because uh, me and uh, Stylus were talking about this actually before you got home, John. Oh. <laughs> they were talking about technology yeah. and how it just keeps fucking changing for honestly the worst. Like it's just. Yeah. Everything becomes too fucking complicated. Yeah, I, I think uh, another aspect of it that uh, Peppa's question makes me think of that we didn't even get into is just the that like planned obsolescence and like disposability of newer technology. Like I'm just so fucking tired of that, man. I'm so tired oh, yeah. of shit just being made as like a less than a year phase before it gets thrown into landfills and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. <clears throat> yeah it's like also you have to think about like how much work goes into making this tech just for it to be outdated within a couple of months to a year yeah i mean not to mention like, the fucking like blood minerals and shit that are harvested <sighs> to go in everything like yeah it's like it's ta- it's taxing all the way down to like the lives of people in the third world and shit like it's fucked up man it is i hate up. i hate that aspect of uh first world culture Take a Zinsky was sort of like, no, 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 it's a joke. It's a joke, I promise. The nightmare rectangle, it started to vibrate. <laughs> the, nightmare. <laughs> the nightmare rectangle. It's angry. <laughs> I can, yeah. Also, my tism brain is stuck on it because I can't remember uh, what millimeter of film uh, murder set pieces was actually shot on but i think it was wrong whatever i said but not it was 30 35 something. 35 I'm yeah, pretty okay. sure it was 35 i think i said 30 <laughs> <laughs> yeah eh, it works <laughs> it doesn't matter i'm just stuck on it sorry i needed to <laughs> say something to clear my mind <laughs> yeah like i don't know like as far as like you know film goes with it i do think it is a good thing ultimately that people have access to like good cameras for a decent prize but yeah. you get guys like dustin ferguson and that's a bit unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> so you can make this zombie yeah. eight with fucking 30 minutes of stock footage yeah yeah but to be fair i don't think he gives a shit if anybody is watching those i think he's fulfilling like a deep internal fantasy Mm. <laughs> like he's cosplaying a filmmaker like a prolific <laughs> filmmaker like that's like that's like what that's for i don't think he gives a shit who's watching it or how many people do i think he's just making shit man yep and he wants to have a big old fucking... there's a mad genius in there somewhere we just can't understand the language <laughs> <laughs> the, the language is too too ahead of our brains <laughs> he's a little too far out for us <laughs> He'll be renowned as a genius 20 years from now. Just wait. <laughs> oh, God. That stock footage, the way he used it. Mm. He'll be erected as like a monument in like post human society. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, got a movie getting ready Dustin. to prepare. 
does he? Yeah, he remakes Spider Baby. What the fuck? <laughs> I going to slap him in his balls. <laughs> Remaking Spider Baby, son of a bitch. But uh, yeah, thank you, Peppa Chalk, as always, for the questions. Yes, you beautiful thank you, British man. I didn't even do the will at least this time. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> not. Next up is Carl.kr.07. When I was when I it, 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 when I recently was trying to make <laughs> what a best of year list, I noticed that in contrary to 2022, I don't know why I said it like that, 2023 has been a painfully mid-year for music. Do you mm. agree? Maybe it's not like that for metal, but this year really does pale in comparison to last year, where we had albums as great as Ants from Up There and even a new Kendrick. Where this year, where this year, the only actual amazing project I can think of is Scaring the Hose. John didn't even love that, but I didn't care for that too much, but (laughs) there are some good other things too, but nothing I call stunning. Hmm. Thing thing is with like when it comes to music, like I was trying my best to keep up with everything this year and I just by the time I got to like fucking like July, I was just like, I'm done. I can't fucking do this. There's there's so many fucking releases coming out and a lot of them I don't like. <laughs> so I was just like, fuck it. I'm done. Um uh, when it comes to like this this year music, like honestly like this year the one thing that comes to mind is I listened to one of the worst fucking albums I've ever heard this year. It was fucking horrible. I don't even, I don't even want to name I don't even even want to name the band. I don't want to like do piss it. anybody off. Coward. I don't know. Fuck. No, that's no, like you do. I'm do very it. curious. It was the new anti flag album. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, Who's that gonna piss off? Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, I know people are fans of them, so. But yeah, but it's like any punk rock band. It's like it's a legacy thing now. It's about their old stuff more than it is their new stuff. It was the most like it was the the closest to pop you can get in a punk rock setting, mm-hmm. and not in a like you know some forty one or Blink one eighty two fun way either. It's fucking, no, it's fucking no. horrible. I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. it, but I'm also like I enjoyed a lot of projects like Year of the Knife's new album. I enjoyed the fuck out of that. Um, what else? I was going to say scaring like, the hose. Outside of the metal scene, I don't know a whole lot that did come out. Yeah, it's been a decent year for metal though, as far as like Cow Decapitation and Sanguisugabog and yeah. Dying Fetus and You're the Knife. I think I've listened to some uh, good new stuff, but I have been. I I think this year and last year I've been really stuck in a like nostalgia cycles and just mm. going back and mining old stuff i like uh for like aesthetic inspiration for projects and stuff so i haven't been like keeping up with shit enough to have as much of an opinion but for anybody that's into uh weird niche rap and shit uh Roz dilliams uh was on hiatus for a while and then came back as uh disciple Zachariah and has this whole uh this orthodox Christianity thing going on now and it's very interesting. So if you if you like to if you like to experience the duality of man from one extreme to the other, you should listen to like that and then one of his old ones that's on YouTube called uh, uh the Judas Cradle. <laughs> and that, look into that. That's between those. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild. 
have you heard of cemetery by any chance mm-hmm. okay yeah that was a that was a project that stood out for me because i was just like this is fucking wild sounding yeah <laughs> i'm like i kind of like fucking hate it but at the same time like there's something weirdly like knee-jerk appealing about it like yeah. like it's very strange like it's so like not <laughs> listenable it's like i'll get like two songs in and i'm like that's enough but like <laughs> like i just have random moods where i'm like i'm gonna go listen to a cemetery song right now like <laughs> and then after it's, a it's song or two you're like nah, i'm right. just like damn i don't need to hear the haunted mound bumper <laughs> yeah. again okay please stop playing it at the beginning of every fucking track <laughs> but like damn that other little... than that it's interesting at least yeah <laughs> that fucking that's that sample lives in my head not rent free but at gunpoint <laughs> haunted mound. it's like yeah. it's like fuck <laughs> <laughs> but it's the most yeah, un- cemetery is like a satanic psyop <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to like Damn middle it. down the mental health of the already drugged out broken kids <laughs> with like spooky imagery <laughs> yeah. it's just like it's like doing drugs kill your mom <laughs> impaled drugs it's like pumpkins pumpkins chainsaws <laughs> pumpkins chainsaw murder Full the everything's yeah, blown out <laughs> what is EQ <laughs> second, What's I layering? You, yeah, for a second, I thought you all talking about the band Shushu. Oh, <laughs> sounds very similar. Shushu oh, is Shushu. they're definitely one of those bands where I'm like, you know, am I actually a fan of them? <laughs> I had that experience with a girl with a basket of fruit. Where I listened to, it, I was like, I respect the hell out of it. I don't know if I like it, but <laughs> yeah, I like what it did. Man, Shushu, yeah, but- I don't. I don't even know how to like describe the weird fucking feeling that I get from like Shushu's music. It's like a, it's like the, the closest I can think to coming to like the the terror of being like child trafficked. Yeah, <laughs> I can understand. That. It's like a deep brain visceral upset, <laughs> but in like a an intriguing way that keeps you blued. <laughs> yeah. It's being traumatized through audio forum. It really is, yeah. AKA <laughs> listening to the open casket. <laughs> I, love, I love I love those boys. They know it. I listened to uh, Shoo Shoo's Girl with a Basket of Fruit on the way to get groceries one day. <laughs> Bro. That's what? An album, yeah. I You're like, driving. I want to have an existential crisis before I pick out my proteins. <laughs> I didn't really exactly know that's what it was. I just heard of the band, so I was like, let's just give this a shot. And I was oh. like, fuck. What is this? What's well, like when I listen to the fucking, like, that, uh, that Daughters album for the first time, dude? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that opening, that opening song, I was walking around the school campus. I was just like, oh, fuck. What is this? And it's like, okay, we're grooving. All right, hang on. Hang on now. Let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> yeah. Don't even cook oh, too much. Yeah. Oh, he did some things. You know that album is a that that I'm I'm convinced that album is like as good as it is because he's that fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like I told that one day. I was like, well, like not to take away from what he did, but like, goddamn man. Yeah, that's what so fucked. I told Matt what I was, a 
One I album. can't I can't let that album go. Like I know he what he did was horrible, and I you know of course you you know you don't condone it, but it's like I don't know I can't let that album. <laughs> Let for it me it almost like a not not in like a oh i appreciate this way but it adds a layer to it mm, in a sense yeah. like because i'm just like oh he was completely unhinged <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it like, wasn't oh. just aesthetics like yeah this is this is psychosis the album <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah this is uh this album it sounds more like a cry for help the more i listen to it <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, I mean, honestly, Danny Brown's atrocity exhibition is literally that in a way. <laughs> Fuck, that album is <laughs> hard to listen to, but I do, I do enjoy it. Yeah, and, and like I wanted to like scaring the hose because everybody loved it. I loved and it. I, and I, I just wanted awesome. atrocity exposition, exposition, and fucking, you know what I'm saying again. <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a completely different beast. But uh, thank you, Carl, for the question as always. Next up is Spooky Celluloid. So you know this is going to be like some deep shit. (laughs) Since Psychonaut likes to get philosophical. Mm. If you guys were to be young forever, but once a week you'd have to gobble down an ice cold glass of kangaroo cum, would you do it? That's actually the question. That's the question. I mean, I don't want to be young forever. No, fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Fuck him. Hang on, let me go. <laughs> but I don't want to live forever, dude. Me neither. No, absolutely not. I, I want to enjoy the life I have and move on. I was gonna say I better like, want to live now. Like, have you ever watched like a vampire movie? They were like miserable. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, no, they're not skipping down the street. But like, this is good. This is the good life. Well, it's like to get into the more like philosophical, I guess, way to think about it. Like, think about all your friends and family that will die around you, right? You just gotta make them yeah. the same proposition. Like, hey, mom, you want to drink Although... this cup of kangaroo cum with me? I don't know. Does it work for them though? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Although being a like like a like an autistic shut in vampire or like somebody that was living forever might be fucking awesome because there's <laughs> endless art and media to consume. It's true. So if, you, if, if that's like all that you need for like brain stimulation, then you can just like sit inside and just <laughs> rot. You can just rot for eternity <laughs> and be completely content with it. I, I just, no, I can't do that. <laughs> you can just trade out remote jobs for all eternity. <laughs> make up new identities all the time. Sell people insurance to the phone. <laughs> yeah, that that'd probably make you want to die faster. Probably get screamed at through by people being like, "How about you just fucking give me the thing I want?" Nah, man, I'd just be like, "You're gonna die." <laughs> and I'm not. I wouldn't say it because that would give away, you know, the ruse. But like, I'd just be like, "Ha ha, you're gonna get old and die." You're going to succumb to organ shutdown. (laughs) Fuck you, Gladys. Have fun in your home. (laughs) Fuck you, Gladys, and your fucking (laughs) fucked up kids. Your kids ain't going to come fucking visit you. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't blame them. Fuck you, fuck you, Gladys. I hope you die in a fucking dial at the center. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Dias. Is that too much? Nah, no. <laughs> okay. 
five large men to haul your fat, misshapen, gluttonous, <laughs> disgusting body out of the dialysis center after you die, Gladys. Oh, fucking hey. And I'll be sitting back in my seat at my cushy remote job while I'm watching hentai <laughs> on one screen and gooning on another screen that has a separate form of pornography and playing a cookie clicker game on a third screen and, and doing my insurance paperwork on the fourth screen, but only skirting by and doing the bare minimum so I can keep this remote job and I'll be sitting there and I'll be laughing while I, while I, uh, while I keep refreshing the obituary pages, looking for your name on the fifth screen. Oh until the god. day that you die oh my god That's and it started the moment after we got off the shitty calls <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't end until you're dead <laughs> the world's longest gooning sesh oh my god <laughs> years holy fuck I think if you Ooh. come enough times in a day you just die right that's what I've heard. Like there, like, there been a bunch someone of actually done that? Like, yeah. Yeah, a bunch of people have done that. I, I think I've like heard that multiple times, like multiple stories of that growing up. <laughs> oh, like on fuck. crazy internet shit. There's like some kid in fucking d- 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 Thailand <laughs> masturbated 47 times and just fucking ate it. He just died. <laughs> <laughs> He's just rock dead. <laughs> That's what these this is what these gooners are actually doing. They're testing God. They're just trying to see like how, how far they really can go. It's like testing. the most euphoric sense, like way of committing suicide. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! But uh, it's a way of euthanasia. <laughs> but thank you, Spooky, for the question as always. And go <sighs> check out Spooky's channel. I actually think he's doing his best work right now. I got oh, bricked yeah. up. He drops oh. some fucking bombs. <laughs> he is. Next up is Goblin O'Reilly. It's your boy. Goblin. <laughs> up, fuckers. <laughs> and Silas. Jersey gang gang. With, with it being Christmas season, shout out to DV. I don't know who DV is. And with Silas being a fantastic artist, do you have any favorites of the old animated Christmas specials or even television specials? The 90s Power Rangers Christmas specials are pretty awful. I highly recommend them. <laughs> Cheers and beers. Everyone should buy a jersey from Silas for Christmas. Jersey gang gang. <laughs> Gobble Hell these yeah. chestnuts on an open flame. <laughs> TOD4 style. Much love from Goblin and the Quality Violent Cinema Gang. See you soon. Mm. A little hint of something. Hell yeah to come <laughs> hell yeah my favorite christmas special is all of the other reindeer i don't think i know that one that's a banger yeah i don't think i know that one either it's not one of the classic ones but it was like a one-off animated movie on cartoon network in like the late 2000s or some shit well i have to check oh. it out it's really yeah. cute and it's got like an ugly art style but in like a cute way <laughs> I always loved uh, the Grinch. I think how the Grinch stole Christmas yeah. is yeah. like the best. But I did watch one recently that was, I think, some people's favorite and a very nostalgic one. And I thought it kind of actually sucked. And that's uh, Frosty the Snowman. <laughs> go off yeah. on Frosty. I don't Give go off on Frosty. I'm just Give saying, like, I, we rewatched it. And, you know, like, of course, I'm, I'm going into it with the mindset this is a kid show, whatever, you know, I, it don't matter. I don't know. At the end, I was like, you know, that kind of fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> give it to him 
<laughs> they yeah. stole the dude's like they stole the fucker's hat. And he's like, "That's my hat." He's not wrong. It was his hat. And they're like, "Nah, it's Frosty's now, dog." Fuck that oh, snowman. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that snowman. Oh my god! I'm just gonna um, steal someone's hat and then play God with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just grant sentience to this guy who will literally die within like three months at most. <laughs> At most, yeah. There's nothing you can do about it except like lock him in a meat freezer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like Frosty's so fucking stupid. He's like, let's go into this greenhouse. It'll be alright for a few minutes. He just fucking melts and dies, and it's just like, <laughs> it's because there was a part of his brain where his death drive was going crazy because he knows that he's not supposed to exist. It's like his newfound <laughs> sentience is screaming out like, kill me, kill me. <laughs> Now that's the Frosty I want to see. <laughs> like in, the internal monologue version of Frosty. <laughs> oh, so, Matt, God. what about you? <laughs> I, I mean, it's probably got to be uh, the Grinch. Oh, yeah. Like, I know I keep <laughs> fucking choosing picks, but look, I, I love the Grinch. It's fucking classic. I'm um, obsessed with the Jim Carrey Grinch, too. That movie was like a fucking <laughs> banger. My dad yeah. and I watched the hell out of that when I was a kid. <laughs> It's still Somewhere pretty good. He just had a stroke. I was spooking have a stroke like he wants to. We watched it last year and it holds up. It's actually really fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was... It's like this one's not pudding. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I try to think of some other ones I like. I mean the peanuts, just because it's the peanuts and I like the peanuts. It's not even my favorite like the peanut specials though. It's a little too uh... Jesus y if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> what's Cyril's least favorite Ooh. that fucking cartoon network or whatever version of grandma got ran over by reindeer oh yeah that was that's my oh too. man yeah. that dude, fucking sucks dude. that thing is oh man it's so weird it was like one of those things where it was like I, I couldn't even I didn't even know how to process that when it was like new like when I was a kid and stuff I was, yeah. I was like this is like well animated enough in the art styles, like fine, but it's like got all these bits that make it feel like really like cringy and mm-hmm. fucking yeah. weird. Like there's just something like real off about it. And, and I like, I totally <laughs> get it. It gave me the same vibe as like the first time I ever saw The Room was a uh, Cartoon Network. <laughs> like for April Fool's Day, played it like Adult Swim uh-huh. did, and I had no clue it was supposed to be like this so bad it's good movie. Uh-huh. So I'm just watching it, waiting for like what's going to happen in this film, and I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? That's the same way I had a film about that grandma got red reindeer. I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this going to start? Like, <laughs> oh man, John, something's going on with your mic, brother. Is it? Yeah, it's it's blowing my eardrums. <laughs> fuck your ear. Oh, fuck you! Is it too loud or what? what is it? It's a little loud. Hmm. You I'll should like that. punch it really hard. <laughs> to punch it, just fucking smack it right behind it. I probably, um, probably just back off of it. <laughs> I think you can get it to like auto EQ if you like blow an air horn into it. <laughs> 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 My fucking ears. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that fucking cartoon, dude. I fucking hate Grandma Got Run Over by Reindeer. that play on TV? I'm like, fuck! All my, all yeah. my homies hate Grandma Got Run Over by Reindeer. 
Herschel. I swear to God, if I get a message from you saying you like it, I might have to travel to your home and kill you. <laughs> I feel like I got to look it up on Letterbox now. Hang on to see if he it. <laughs> Is it on Letterbox? I assume it would be, right? Oh, fuck. I should Grandma. get half for me. Oh, fuck. Not fought. God, God damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's on Letterbox. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, but my boy Moods gave it a fuck. What the fuck, Moods? I love you, Moods, but damn. <laughs> <laughs> God, dude. Fuck. But, uh, thank you, Goblin O'Reilly, for the question. And, uh, yeah, yes. we'll see you soon, Goblin. Yes. By this time tomorrow. <laughs> Spoiler. (laughs) And last but certainly not least is Gumby Couch. Gumby Couch. Gumby Chat says, Sup, Margin Maniacs. Nah, fuck that shit. Butter Gang. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) For real, though, hope all is well, guys. I got a twofer for you boys this time. Since there has been a bit of a resurgence of live-action anime adaptations, we don't talk about Dragon Ball Evolution for the nope. sweet, delicious <laughs> name of the Texas Rattlesnake, no. <laughs> <laughs> What's a movie you think would work as an anime or animation of any style horror-wise? We'll start there. Horror movie turned into an anime. Mm. The... The first one that popped in my head actually was, I feel like we always give this, like we always use this guy as an answer, but uh, Brian Pollen. I, God, I was thinking, uh, thing. I was going to say Blood Pigs. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, that's a good shout. Fuck. Anything like, like even something like The Void or something like that. Like anything like, oh, yeah. like, like cosmic horror, I think would translate really well over to anime. Mm-hmm. I want a, uh, one anime adaptation of Brain Dead. Oh, oh that'd be sick! That yeah, sick, I want to yeah. see the lawnmower scene like animated. It would be fucking wild, dude. An anime, so uh, an anime series of Meet the Feebles. Oh my god! Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Give me an animated series of Infernal Rapist. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Infernal Ravens is wild. Probably in actuality, probably something like Suspiria. Can you imagine like all the colors and shit? That'd be mm-hmm. kind of cool. I oh, mean, yeah. Satoshi Kone kind of with perfect blue a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. It? <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly the same, but like no. stylistically, I feel like there's some definitely some similarities there. Uh, Gumby Couch says, Hear me out, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a Japanese splatter anime. Anime? Ooh. Anime. And Texas Chainsaw would be pretty wild. Uh, speaking of, what's it called? Have you seen that movie, um, Living Hell? It's a Japanese uh, horror, and it was it had a tagline on it that was like the the Japanese te- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I can see the poster um, in my head, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I think it's definitely worth checking out. <clears throat> Uh, Gumby Couch goes on to ask, and lastly, can you choose any horror? You could choose any horror, but the killer or final girl or hero is replaced by Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Your move. I know mine easily. Aliens. Stone Cold is Ripley. Could you imagine? I thought I thought you were gonna say the Xenomorph. <laughs> well, that'd be kind of good too, but no. Just the oh, end. He's like, yeah. he's like. <laughs> 
Get away from her, you bitch. What? <laughs> I'm going to stomp a mud hole in your ass and walk it dry. <laughs> what? I think I'd really like to see uh, Stone Cold cast as a uh, Laurie Strode in the OG Halloween. <laughs> I was well, like say full that one, gigantic bald goateed stone cold but like he's dressed <laughs> he's dressed like Lori yeah. and he's like he's acting like a dainty teenage girl who's like scared of this dude that he's actually probably <laughs> t- bigger than <laughs> god damn son there's this big motherfucker in a white mask he just keeps breaking on in my house <laughs> all I can think of is like the end, like the end of the movie where it's like well, Sam L, son, you say that's you say that's the boogeyman. <laughs> <laughs> what? I said it's the boogeyman. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude! <laughs> that's fucking incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> let, let's take um, let's see here, House of Thousand Corpses, right? Okay. <laughs> And let's have Otis be stone cold. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to hear him deliver the like psycho monologue when he's like traumatizing those cheerleaders with oh, his like yeah. conspiracy shit. <laughs> Dude, like fucking. I want him to be like throwing in like wrestling shit, <laughs> like wrestling lore, like into the the rant. <laughs> okay, I like keep thinking about nonchalant. Like, like it's just like a part of the world because it's a part of his world. Yeah, it's like you know Bruno San Martino won the world championship in 1970. <laughs> what the fuck ever? <laughs> what the fuck ever? <laughs> I don't actually know the date. Fuck it. What? As <laughs> the he, he brought up Suspiria earlier. Could you imagine him and Jessica Harper's role? <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, there I was, son. I was sick as shit. What? They weren't listening. They made me dance anyway. Started bleeding from my fucking nose. I want him to wear like a pretty wig and a dress. <laughs> There's goddamn Something witches nice in this house. The, the nostril picker, but he's the nostril picker. <laughs> What's your favorite song? London Bridge is falling down. What? <laughs> Oh hell yeah! Fuck it didn't work, son. Well, thank you, Gubby Couch, for the question, and thank everybody who asked good questions. This was a good one. Yeah, if you want to do that, you can. It's easy. Just go to sickoncinema at gmail.com and drop us a line or uh, wait to the week of the episode. We're a bi-weekly podcast. And on our Instagram, I don't feel like I ever actually emphasize the fact that it's Instagram, <laughs> but on our Instagram, we'll post a lovely little image that has skeletons that says we're taking questions. And you can ask in the comment section below. Oh, yeah. Thanks to the, the questionnaires that gave me love, I give you love back. Hell yeah. But you won't you don't get to know when it's coming. But I'll be there. <laughs> You're going to three knock on your door. <laughs> Why is he stone cold? Stone cold. I'm stuck in stone cold mode. I can't switch out of it. You're gonna hear three knocks on your door, son. Watch. I heard I said you're gonna get three knocks on your door, son. What? There you go, hear the glass breaking, you know you're fucked. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh fucking demon penises that shoot lasers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, stay tuned here to Sick on Cinema. Cinema. It's not the end. Don't do that. With the fate of the world lying in the balance, his task is simple. Protect a man's life for 24 hours. I'm putting you in charge of guarding him. Who is this person? Mr. Giuseppe Maillard. Guard him without fail, because as far as the radicals are concerned, if they can kill him, they'll control everything. Thrust into a world of supernatural treachery, his only hope that his new partner is as good as she looks. Top agents from opposite worlds. They're the last defense against the anarchy of the black world. For the life of me, I can't figure out why you're my partner. What you mean is why your partner is a woman of the black world. The twisted beings from the other side will do anything to stop them. And we're back here on Sick on Cinema to talk about some anime. Anime. It's been a, anime. It's been <laughs> a long, actually, requested topic. Like, from pretty much the first time we came back, someone suggested this episode, and it took us a long time to get here, but we're here. So, you know. Way to make it a special occasion. You can quit complaining now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. We're going to start this out with a doozy. <laughs> a goddamn doozy. <laughs> All right, John. Let's hear it. All right, this is not, this is nineteen eighty eighty nine. I thought it was eighty seven. What the fuck is wrong with me? My notes are wrong. <laughs> Damn, Uro Sugadoji, Legend of the Overfiend, <laughs> directed by uh, Hideki Takayama. I know how to pronounce Takayama because of you know pro Takayama. Wrestling. Yeah, pro wrestling. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce anything. Not Japan's <laughs> only spooky Hideki. That's true. <laughs> so fuck. We were talking about this a little off air for a movie that's this dumb. <laughs> this movie's got a lot of fucking lore to it. So this was actually not originally even supposed to be in this episode. No. It was supposed to be Wicked City. But Brian Paulin posted a thing where he was doing like 15 movies he couldn't live without or something like that, or that inspired him. And this was one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh Watching it actually makes a lot of sense, like why this would inspire Brian Paul. And, and I only think that it's really as dumb as it is. I mean, it is pretty dumb. It's the dub. Yeah. The dub adds a lot of dumb. <laughs> so let's get into this fucking mammoth plot. I, I, th- I think it's fair to say the, the dub is the elephant in the room. <laughs> it is the elephant in the room. <laughs> so the dub is the demon cock in the room. <laughs> the severed demon cock in the room <laughs> so in this world it is broke up into three sectors I guess you have humans which is yeah. our realm then you have the realm that is ran by the Makai which I believe are just straight demons and then you have the was it the Junkai yeah. which are like I guess half man half demon well, the the one guy looks like a cat. He kind of looks like a cat. But I don't know if that was just an art choice or if that was actually like he's supposed to be kind of like a cat because his sister does not. She just looks normal. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. actually wondering with that guy uh, because I know that the uh, the like cat whisker lines thing is like a an old like art trope in Japan. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure like what that signifies. Like maybe it's just supposed to mean like 
his character has like a like a sly element to him like personality wise or something like that i'm not i'm not sure what that signifies exactly but like i was wondering about that uh when i was watching it because i haven't seen it in a while i, I mm. think it's kind of a thing i've seen i don't know maybe it's been phased out a little but um so <laughs> that's only like that's just like the setup because then you find out that every three thousand years an entity known as the chojin which yeah. is supposed to uh is he always come from a human or is it like different that was something i was a little confused about well, well okay so the guy like he looks for the chojin for like 100 or 300 years it doesn't really clarify whether or not it's just going to be from a human or not. I don't think, but like the last time the Chojin line, came, was it a macaw or is it always going to be from a human? That's what I was sometimes a little confused by, or if it even matters. I I don't know if it matters that much, but Dude, I don't. It was I don't like know. a toy poodle. <laughs> All right, so the Chojin is to come and uh, bring unity to the three dimensions. So that's our, yeah, that's our lore. So now we have, uh, what the fuck is this guy's name? Kame Oh my fuck. Oh, here we go. <laughs> like Matt said, we have Amino Jock, Amino Jocko. Fucking A. <laughs> Dog, I got my notes Jocko pulled up because I haven't. <laughs> Him I and his sister and some weird gray dude whose penis is out the whole time. Yes, have been looking for the Chojin for the last 300 years and they have a bit of a bet who could find it Amino believes he's found it in this basketball player my sister believes it's this weird nerdy pervert named Nagomi and uh, she's correct spoiler alert I don't know so it's them trying to protect him from the Makai, but not all is what it seems. We'll just end it there because it, it, it gets fairly convoluted. Now, there uh, was a part of me. I had a note. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> the, the, um, the little gray guy, the little sidekick, um, Kuroko. Mm. Uh, I put a little a, a note in it, and it said, uh, little sidekick has a little penis. Looks like rapper Blackie meets Crazy Frog. <laughs> oh my god. It's not a bad description. Oh <laughs> yeah, so like I definitely was not frog. was not ready Sorry. for how like and I, I do put a lot of it on the dub. Yeah. But and I've said it before, how kind of dumb this movie is <laughs> it's very dumb <laughs> and like is it a hentai that is another thing i've been trying to figure out is this hentai i, I think i think it's a degree closer than something like midori would be but i i don't i don't think that it's like a straight on hentai because yeah a lot of the it has a lot of like sexual scenes but they're like really quick they're mm -hmm. they're like most of the time they're like very fast like it's just like almost like a, a moment of like titillation and it almost feels like the kind of thing be, because i know the the like media standards are a lot different in, in japan as far as like what they'll market to people this seems like it's like a male teen fantasy like kind of a thing where it's like it's titillating enough and then it's got a lot of like gory action 
and like over the top set pieces and like uh, goofy ass like interactions between hmm. like the the male teen characters like god like, do they <laughs> all over these girls and like you know <laughs> Uh, but like the the sex wasn't nearly as overt as I was expecting from the legacy that I've heard about this film having. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like it is kind of known as like the the tentacle porn. Anime. Right, right. <laughs> it didn't even have a lot of that. Like one, it didn't have no. nearly as much as I was expecting to see in there. Yeah. <laughs> all, all I know is we started this because me and John made the wise decision to watch this one together for some reason. <laughs> Time yeah and on god i was like what the fuck is going on this is fucking (laughs) wild and then i looked at letterbox and i saw herschel's review i was like oh this is a herschel five situation ain't it (laughs) and it 110 percent was oh my god (laughs) it is one of those movies too where it's like i was like fuck we just got tentacle rape we got <laughs> crazy dialogue which i'll get into more here in a little bit we oh got gore we've got insanity how long have i been watching this what do you mean 25 minutes yeah like right. yeah. how's there still like an hour 30 left <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense man <laughs> like the first, i was shook <laughs> that's like the first 20 minutes of this i'm like oh damn i'm already about to hit the the, the climax of the movie wait what we're <laughs> still an hour experience like a severe interest drop off by like the third third of this yes yeah uh, and, uh, i thought i thought that it was really like visually cool and i thought there were a lot of really interesting uh ideas and motifs being like explored in it but i by that point i was like pretty ready for the story to be over <laughs> yeah and, and it's yeah i had the same thing because like you know, looking into it, it's like, okay, this is like a movie that's made up of three OVAs that they kind of cut down and put together. Mm-hmm. And it feels that way. It's not yeah. super cohesive. It does feel episodic. Oh, man, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I think I'd like to see them separately. Yeah, that's what I was thinking while I was watching it, too, because like, I was like... Not all at the same time, though. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's like there's a like a villain that's introduced into this movie that literally like plays a is essentially a nothing burger to the rest of the fucking movie because like he yeah. like his whole part of the movie is like what would be like one episode of the series that's it the whole yeah, last they, arc of the story he's gone they give you like backstory and stuff on him and you're like when the fuck did this happen like who is this yeah yeah yeah. Was it like Sweet Chonico or something like that? <laughs> something like that, yeah. And at the end, it's like, I'm summoning the sea demon. And I'm like, who? What? Yeah. <laughs> what is any what of this? <laughs> what do you mean you're summoning the sea demon? What? <laughs> and like, this movie, like, we are introduced to our hero. Our hero, by the yeah. way. I, I can't call him the hero, but he is the hero, technically. By like spying on like a locker room of girls and like jerking off. Yeah, dude, what is it with uh, Japanese? It's, it's specifically like art and shit, you know. So it's 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 like Japanese beta male shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they always be putting these like fucking psycho weirdo fucking like outsider kids with aberrant sexuality in like hero roles. Yeah, like. <laughs> like opens up with this like voyeurism scene that's like real fucking weird and and, and uncomfortable and then it's <laughs> yeah. like oh yeah by the way he's the protag 
It's like, what? What do you mean? And it only gets weirder with him because, like, then he goes like to the ball game, and like he just sees the outline of this girl's vagina. Oh my god! And he's like, I'm coming again. He's like, bro is literally the dreamy bull. I'm about to go. Like later on in the show, he's like getting like like sexual with his like I guess his girlfriend. That's always a weird dynamic in this. Yeah. And he's like, can you can you just like touch it? And she like moves towards and he just blows on her. And it's like this is the hero of the show. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah. I thought that scene was so fucking funny though. I laughed so hard, dude. <laughs> oh, sorry. He was like. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish his reaction had been like way more over the top and like like freaky psycho. Like like I wish he'd yeah. been like oh, I'm sorry, don't look, don't look <laughs> Don't look <laughs> Don't look at it. But the when he comes again leads to what is probably my favorite scene in this entire movie. To when the other guy who we think might be the Chojin comes over. Because he falls after he nuts. And everybody's just laughing at him in the most awkward way. It's so uncomfortable. Well, he nuts, but they hit him in the face like a basketball. Yeah. So the the the, the jock comes over and he's like, oh, y'all right? Oh, so you, got a, so you got a hard cock there. Big boner. No, you're bleeding too. Let me take care of that for you. Licks his face and walks away. He's like, see you later, dick face. <laughs> oh my God. Licks his fucking face. I'm like, nah, man. The, the jock is like way more of a freak in this scenario. Like, this yeah. is weird as shit. Like, you don't just go up and lick someone's bloody cheek and then walk away and Let be me like, take yeah, care of this for you. And it's like, that's used as a plot device because like when you find out like oh he might be the chojin because he like transforms while yeah. having a five way with some chicks, it's because he like t- <laughs> like ingested as his all, blood. As all the like pro basketball kids in high school do. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah all, I'm just like this is just like w- like some weird like teen male fantasy thing. Like it's, like every, it's bizarre. Yeah, man. There be there be a lot of characters that be having more game than like any human being would have like it's <laughs> yeah. weird as shit it's the way people in this movie are like living like porno like plots they really <laughs> are dude they're yeah. like living in Caligula <laughs> <laughs> but they're like a Japanese teenager <laughs> yeah. but like we find that's because he ingested the blood so I'm like okay so you had to find some way for him to like you could have done it any other way oh yeah. They could have gotten a fight and a little bit got on him. Anything but yeah, him yeah, like, like mm, punched mm. him in the nose. It's on his knuckle. Like, yeah, like that. I don't know. Like, no, he just licks his cheek. <laughs> says, see you later, I, dickhead. Or dick face. Excuse me. Not even dickhead. Yeah. He's like, see you later, dick face. It's like, what was even this scene, dude? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> why is it like, why is everyone so weird? There's like, Again, see, as you said, sees the outline of a vagina. is like, I'm about to go. <laughs> Fucking bust. He's hit in the face. And then this dude just comes over and essentially sexually harasses him. A lot of sexual <laughs> harassment in this movie, by the way. There's just a lot of sexual assault in this movie. <laughs> as with, with most Japanese media of this caliber. Kind of true. Yeah. <laughs> My other favorite. You can't escape it. it. You just can't escape it. Nope. <laughs> and again, I do wonder if like some of that is like the dub and like a translation issue. 
because there is there's also a great scene where like it seems weird to refer to this as a great scene as someone who's being great <laughs> by tentacles, but our hero, our real hero, the guy who's been looking for three hundred years for the Chojin comes in and he says it's like a it's like a fucking macaw to get a sniff of a pussy and turn it to a beast or something like that. And oh I'm like God. like what a line, dude. What a fucking line. <laughs> Is that how the actual dialogue was in the original? Or they take some fucking liberties? <laughs> yeah, sniff of a so, pussy. That, that was so funny. <laughs> that really sniff. caught me off guard. I remember losing my shit at that part. <laughs> <laughs> Again, when me and John were watching, John was like, oh god, I gotta pause it and pass out. Because <laughs> he was fucking laughing so fucking hard. Oh yeah, this, th- that was also the scene where I, I took down the note. Japan always about them rapey demons, and then in parentheses <laughs> and tentacles. Just to make sure, yeah, because yeah. even our quote unquote hero of the story, <laughs> he he do be doing some demon rape as well. Yeah. <laughs> Quotation marks around a hero, <laughs> and that's the thing about like what Matt was talking about, like so like. <laughs> Which is another fucking hilarious scene. Oh, God. He just gets hit by a fucking truck and dies. <laughs> I love that <laughs> shit. So, oh my God, what did I fucking put down here? <laughs> Stops to contemplate sex with mysterious girl in oncoming traffic. <laughs> <laughs> when they fucking reveal his body, it's the most funny. <laughs> it's like, his face is destroyed. It's like such an anime trope, like right, to be like, whoa, hit by the car, right? So you're just expecting to be that, and all of a sudden, because this doctor just comes in, he's like, can't do nothing for him. His heart stopped. <laughs> How much fucking funnier would it have been if he was just like gone? <laughs> like, that was like the end of his arc, though. Like, I, w- I kind of wish it had just, it would have like, been amazing out that way. Like, I wish he was just. <laughs> He was just nixed right there. The, re- the rest of the movie is just them trying to find a new Chosen because the, the old one did. It's like hit by a car. A few hundred more years. Yeah. <laughs> but he like, he wakes up and he like demons out and rapes this chick to death. Like to death. fucking implodes her. <laughs> and turns this massive demon with penis lasers on his tentacles and I'm like damn this this climax is crazy and you're like not even 30 minutes into the fucking movie yeah. so by the time you get to the actual climax you're just done like, <laughs> like okay oh god <laughs> you good Matt no the car god, scene man. is unbelievable yeah. yeah I'm just thinking about what the rest of me would look like if he was just gone <laughs> I'm also curious, like, how much of that was supposed to be, like, played comedically. Because yeah. to me, that car scene, I, I almost feel like even without the dub, that would have been the most hilarious shit, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure it was actually supposed to be. Well, it just it feels like everything you've ever seen, like, any cartoon you've ever seen where someone gets hit by a car because they're chasing somebody or something like that. Yeah. You know, wacky, whoa, but it's like, doctor, look, man. And he's fucking dead. And you're like, and then they like crash zoom into his face and it's mangled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he must have had the eyeball hanging out. Fucking. <laughs> they could have wrote something as funny as that. Like, right. <laughs> oh my god. But then by the time you get to like the this kid Nikki who's like in love with his girlfriend, I was starting to lose interest. I really was. Like I was like. There's some funny stuff there with him being like this, like they're like, like with a face like that, you, 
he could never get laid or something Dude. like that. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, I was like checked back in at this point because I was like, oh my god, it's like Battle of the Incels. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they, this is going to be rad. They like take you back to this like dungeon and they're like, suck my feet and shit like that. Dude, and I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> to, add, to add to what you said, Sal, it's like... <laughs> It's like if Elliot Roger went Super Saiyan. <laughs> it is like it is like the ultimate like teen like male fantasy movie. Yeah, like, it's like he, they're just banging all the chicks. The like they're jacked to the point where like their muscles are getting muscles and like uh, it's wild, man. I've got balls on my balls. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's like how a Chris Chan level of autistic Japanese teenager feels after they read one issue of the North Star. <laughs> I about blew water up my fucking nose. No, <laughs> the last thing that like made me like laugh really fucking hard in this movie was the damn ancient one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, when he's in the, fucking, he's in the fucking water tank and he's like, "It's the end of the world." <laughs> yeah, he's just shaking like it's the end of the world. And I did make a note because the way the whole like finale like kicks off is like Akima, Akimi, and uh, fucking Nagumi finally actually have like proper sex with him blowing his load before she even touches him. Yeah. And he demons <laughs> out. And for notice, just pussy so good you turn into the destroyer of worlds. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't know, man. This is an extremely fun anime i'll say that like i had a blast watching it but it's definitely not as good as i thought it was going to be as far because it has such a reputation like you said silas and like i don't know when i was done with it i was like i mean i justifiably can't give it too high of a rating because it's kind of (laughs) bad i had its moments uh but like as far as uh what it delivers it's mostly like silly sex comedy which is mm. weird for the the conceit of the entire thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> dude <laughs> in place but uh there were some really cool like horror sequences like that uh that one sequence where he was i can't remember which person it was i think it was the the second the elliot roger incel (laughs) in like the the hallway that was full of like women's corpses like oh yeah and shit and it was all and then they like morphed into the demons and uh also I, i put another note that arterial spray is like my favorite staple of like jay gore and splatter I agree. Oh yeah! And goddamn, uh, I, I I love it so much. <laughs> um, but then there was a uh, one the point where that guy gets the uh, he gets the the demon cock. Where, oh, where, really, <laughs> I uh, forget about that. <laughs> the really cool big mouth demon in the trench coat with like the hanging eyeball that comes out and he like yes. it back into his head, which was super fucking cool. Um, he like he just gives him a demon dick. <laughs> He gives him a demon dick, and then he's just like, "Oh, you want to be like us? You you wanna you wanna fuck girls? You wanna you wanna be strong? You, you 
you also want to fuck girls because you're a horny teenager, right? And you want to be, be like a demon and be like really, really cool and strong. And also, you want to f- f- fuck girls. It's just like it's just like all you got to do is cut your dick off. <laughs> Tell him to cut his dick off. He's like replace it with this one and kill two people. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess fucking Elliot Roger brain is just like I guess that means I gotta get a cleaver out <laughs> I was really like, watching I was joking around with Matt I was like it wouldn't be fucking funny if he like came back and was like oh I never said you had to cut your dick off why'd you do that yeah yeah oh <laughs> you just put it on top I mean. he's like you could you could have had two dicks <laughs> you could have had twice the length <laughs> <laughs> you oh. fucked yourself I do love the the demon design in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like the one really cool thing, That's like even even though like even though I was starting to lose it, lose me a little bit, like at the end, like just the way that like they're stylized seems completely different than any of the other like animation in the movie. Yeah, man. Yeah. They look great. I love it. Like it's actually genuinely like kind of creepy and like unnerving. Just like in the in demon design in in most anime in general, especially stuff from this era. <clears throat> Excuse me, this era is like a. That's like my bread and butter. I love that shit so oh, much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude. Like the ending of this movie is almost it feels like like Dragon Ball Z meets fucking like Godzilla in a weird way, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. where it's just like this guy versus this fucking giant monster, and it's just and it's like like what you think is gonna be an epic battle ensues, but other things happen besides that. <laughs> <laughs> the end it of this is, movie is something it's why the end of the movie is fucking weird and like it, you know minor spoiler it is a bit of a cliffhanger for yeah. Osaka Doji 2 <laughs> but I do always respect when a movie is like willing to go there apocalyptically where it's hmm. like it ain't gonna it ain't holding back there's no cop out bullshit ending it's like no this is going down like the end yeah. of the world is here <laughs> <laughs> like, As the man in the water tank said, the world is, is the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> like me and John were goofing around after we finished it. I was just like doing like the this fucking uh meme that I saw. It was like, that's it. That's your Osoka Doji. <laughs> it's just tentacle porn and schizo rambling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. It's fun. Like it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. I think I need to honestly need to rewatch it. All the laughs. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, you're good. I was just saying, like, kind of what you're saying. Like, now that I kind of know what to expect, I feel like I need to either one watch it again or actually like seek out the original series to see how it plays out. Maybe subbed to see if like it's not quite as goofy. I don't know, man. I love the fucking goofiness of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I that, do. It's a side note. Do you guys have any, uh, any? I guess it doesn't have to be anime, but anime or just foreign movies that you uh, prefer to watch dubbed because it's fucking goofy. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, um, Godzilla! Like any of the original Godzilla series. Yeah. Okay. I have to watch it dubbed. <clears throat> That's funny, dude. Oh my god! Like a lot of the like old like Bruce Lee stuff back in the day, I'd, I'd watch dub, and I kind of feel like oh, I yeah. kind of have to watch it that way because you know that's how I experienced it. <laughs> it's like when it comes when it comes like kung fu films in general, it kind of depends on like like if it's like a Shaw Brothers like boxer for Shantung or something like that. I want to see that like <laughs> subbed in its proper version. But if it's some like really cheapo like Bruce Boytation kung fu movie, you gotta watch it dubbed. Oh, <laughs> you have to. <laughs> Yeah, watch that shitty dub. <laughs> as far as uh, 
God, excuse me, my throat's crazy tonight. Uh, as far as um, like comedy oriented uh, animes go, that I think are like literally better because of the dub that you should watch dubbed if you have not seen them uh people should watch uh ghost stories uh that one is fucking hilarious um and it's because they like didn't even like translate it properly and a lot of it's just like ad-libbed fucking nonsense and it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's fucking it's so great um <clears throat> uh shin chan Oh yes. yes. Fucking amazing. The dub of Shin Chan is like peak fucking comedy and it holds up so well. The humor is so <laughs> fucking offensive. Like it's so <laughs> crazy, man. It, What's the character's name? Is it Action so Bastard? <laughs> Action <laughs> Bastard, yeah. I love that shit, dude. Uh, that was a fucking Netflix back in the day. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, a bludgeoning angel Dokoro Chan. <laughs> People should watch that. That is a... that shit is so fucking funny, and the dub makes it like ten times better. Like you, you gotta watch it <laughs> for real. Dude, the name of that sold me. The name of that is so fucking <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. Holy fuck. Oh, fuck! Yeah. Got anything? You guys got anything else to say about Urusuka Doji before we move on? <laughs> Seek it out, watch it. I think man. It's wild. I, a lot of the notes I took were like way more like deep critical analysis than this movie deserved. And I don't know. I, I think I was just like in that kind of a headspace for some reason. So I was just like, oh, the 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 like decimation and the apocalypse shit at the end is reminding me of like the the kaiju inception from like the social the the, the social trauma of atomic warfare and blah 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 <laughs> and then i'm just like why 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 am i reading into that that much why, why am i thinking this deep about this <laughs> as laser penises destroy the world <laughs> i think it was because this was the one i watched last and my notes on midori and perfect blue had a lot more like reason to be like serious yeah yeah i kind of went into this one with the same thing and then and then like now in retrospect i'm just like no nah, that's kind of an outlier <laughs> yeah. it really is i got i kind of expected the same thing like when i added it to the episode i was like oh we're gonna have three pretty damn serious fucked up animes yeah. was, no <laughs> no we did not <laughs> i even told chloe oh i was God. like oh yeah i'm gonna prep for this uh podcast by watching these tomorrow if you want to watch them with me but uh I, they might be kind of a bummer so i don't know if you would like want to watch them back to back and now i'm just like <laughs> she wasn't with me like, like watching them today and then i was like laughing my ass off the entire time during the <laughs> It was a good palate cleanser for this episode because the next two are pretty yeah. grim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess wow. we'll move on next to which uh, we talked about this off air. I thought this was so much older than what it actually is. Yeah, me too. And I think it has a lot to do with the art style, like because it, it kind of reminds me of like Speed Racer or Astro mm-hmm. Boy or something like that. Um, but no, it's from 1992, <laughs> directed by Hiroshi Harada. And I wrote down the writer of this one because uh, he's a pretty uh, infamous, I think they call him like the godfather of Guru, which is uh, Suyohiro Maru, Maruo. Yeah. Um, he, he was the original writer of the uh, manga this is based on, and this is Midori. Yes. A movie I've seen several times now. <laughs> uh, this, is my, this is my second time seeing it. <laughs> 
uh, Midori tells a story, of course, of Midori, a young girl who uh, lives in a very impoverished family. Her mother is dying of something. The mysterious illness. The anime illness. Dying yeah. of rats. <laughs> rats that's the big truth <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's like one of the most like immediately it's like one of the most fu- like it's so fucked it's like he, she comes home it's like hey mom well what's wrong pulls the covers back and she's like being eaten by rats it's like my god yeah that really sets the tone of what you're about to get into oh yeah got a bad case of the rats and it's terminal <laughs> it's terminal terminal rats so she meets this mysterious man who kind of like promises her a, a better life and after her mother dies he she goes along with it and it's a traveling i guess the best way to put it, it's like a freak show kind of thing yeah um and uh yeah basically we follow midori in this time period as horrible horrible things <laughs> happened to her and life is really unpleasant and uh, yeah it's a massive fucking depressing bummer <laughs> yep. yeah she does meet at one point a uh, dwarf magician who's a f- powerful fucking magician and a pedophile <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's what this kind of movie is it's like the silver that's lining is like material right there yeah, it's like that's the silver lining. The film is like, oh, this is the good part. This is where she meets the pedophile dwarf magician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this one's probably, I would argue, is probably the most infamous of all the ones we were covering. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the icebergs and the TikToks and the and a, shitty analytical, uh, as we were talking about off air. <laughs> But a lot of times people kind of consider this movie illegal. Like it's known as like yeah. the most banned anime of all time. And it's so strange that like, cause I do think this movie 100% deserves its reputation. Cause it's, it's a depressing movie. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very far. Yeah. Sum it up, and, I, and I described it as a uh, big top cavalcade of debaucherous perversity and misery porn. <laughs> big true. <laughs> big true. Someone needs to put that on a box art. But it's like, you know, I know there is a live action version of this, but like you could easily see someone like Sato, Hisiasu Sato, making this a live action movie at this time. So why this movie is so controversial is strange to me. (laughs) Well, it did get like banned at one point in Japan, right? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like that really surprises me. Me too. Like it blew my mind when I was watching it again. Well, at least I'd heard it. Like again, that could be folklore at this point. Like I don't know. Sure, but I, I wonder if it was it. Do you think it may have been because it was a little too high radar? Like because I, I feel like a lot of the reason that so many of the like fucked up things that happen in like Japanese art and like subculture is permissible is because it's released like independently through like the legal means. But I feel like with uh Maruo being as high profile of an artist as he was, especially for like Aroguro and like how uh widespread and like largely influential of a you know like a subtype of art that was, I wonder if it was just like banned in the sense that it was like banned commercially on in like mainstream. Uh that that was a theory I had on it too, where it was like, you know, like something like Uro Sukadoji is probably hidden straight to like VHS, where right. the plan for Midori may have been to be more mainstream with it. And then when they saw it, they were like, like holy shit. Yeah. They're like, holy shit. <laughs> and it Which, could have been like a banned thing from like being, you know, showcased in stores too, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, like in the States back in the day when there's this band called Coven that like, 
released like you know it was very much the time like 60s like rock music oh yeah it was all yeah very much influenced by like satanic themes and shit yeah chloe showed me them oh yeah 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 they're 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 good and essentially like the way like you would have to get it back in the day was like hey you you, do you have that coven album like yeah i got you you have to go get it in the back (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wonder if it's that kind of situation because that's kind of what happened with another movie called uh Tamp- tampon tango <laughs> which is uh, yeah not the same at all but you know, <laughs> um it's it was like oh you want the uncut version well you have to come back here and get it and then they got in trouble for that <laughs> but <laughs> damn yeah and it's like if you read up on midori too it's like this was a passion project yeah like nobody really wanted to work on it due to like the controversy of the source material and like he was all about it and like he ended up like animating the majority of it too and like raised the majority of the money from his own like means yeah. and like it it's interesting cuz like the art style is very stilted like at times it's just still images but i think it really adds to this movie's atmosphere i do too yeah uh it makes it feel more like a period piece, mm-hmm. um, which, yeah. And I think that it's really cool how there are a lot of, uh, not even just like the kind of like frame by frame sequences, but like the stills that are like way more hyper detailed. And it's like recreations of panels that were in the original manga. Yep. Yeah. Full color, you know, and I think that's super cool. Like, I feel like yeah. times like when you're watching it, they kind of look like those old, like, Japanese woodblock paintings. Yeah. What do you, what's like, I, speaking of, uh, uh, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you, you, you go ahead. Okay. Uh, speaking of, uh, like, the, like these, like, animated passion projects sort of things where it's like, uh, the primary creator kind of like putting their all into it. Uh, do you, do you guys know about the, uh, music video for, um, agitated scream of maggots by, uh, Deer and Gray? no okay i think it's really cool you gotta check it out um but the artist who did that video for them uh has like a like a full like film that he made over the course of i can't remember the exact i want to say like 20 or 30 years fuck or like and it's like over like 10,000 individual drawings or, or some shit like that. Like, um, it, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I just, I remember uh, it's one of those things I really, really want to track down at some point, but there were a lot of, uh, parallels being drawn and comparisons being made online and, uh, places I was researching it to Midori mm. uh, because people were saying it was largely one of those, like, very very deep passion project sort of things which i think you do see a lot in uh, japanese art in general though there are a lot of uh, artists who are just like their life's like purpose their legacy is like whatever the property that they create is and then mm-hmm. they just go and go and go until they've got nothing left in them or they die <laughs> like yeah <laughs> very What's interesting i heard the story really amazing about that work ethic yeah well, it you can remind me of this story that's like this like russian like duo i think i could be wrong about the where they're from but they worked on this like animated project it was like uh uh fuck <laughs> it, anyway it was an it's an animated project they worked on and it was like took like 30 years like it, it's still being worked on from what i know and it like started in like the 70s mm, like oh yeah 
and like they've been working on it for like fucking decades at this point and like apparently it's just been a massive like undertaking for them to like get it done um there's a documentary there's a documentary on it on youtube from uh uh what was it atrocity god which is a fucking great channel yeah yeah Um, i haven't seen this particular video though yeah, it's super super fascinating stuff, and like like going going back to Midori for a second though, like um like when it, like D- Dave Jackson wrote a review on Letterbox of Midori, and he really like drove this point home. It's like yeah, the, you know, there's a lot of stilted animation, but it's very much like every time like there is a single frame that's just on screen, it is visually stunning. Mm-hmm. In the way it's executed, yeah. and again, like the re- the reputation of this movie cannot be understated because of just how fucked up this movie truly is. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because this movie is like, because like when I was getting ready to re uh, rewatch it, I was like, oh, here, here we go, watching Midori again. And then I was, after I was watching, I was like, fuck yeah, this movie is even worse <laughs> than I remember it being. Because of how, like, this is the shit that happens to this poor girl, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of times, too, it's like, it's not even about, like, how graphic everything is. It's just an amalgamation of, like, misery for mm-hmm. her, where it's like, you know. And, and she you, gets, like, raped by a multi limb missing leper. Yeah. Like, like yeah. It, it's so fucking dark. Like, I mean, every every character is dark. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's so wild it's like not that you like empathize with them because they're all like fucking psychos but like yeah it's like still like most of their backstories anything that you can infer about them is in itself like dark and a misfortune like a series mm-hmm. of misfortunes that seem like they have to do uh contextually with like a time period and poverty and like all these other uh social factors which how much of that is based on anything uh true and not just like playing up the aesthetics for the sake of this like really dark period piece thing uh i'm not sure but yeah it's really really well, it's like bad <laughs> yeah it's, it's like i know like the at least the freak show stuff in america a lot of those people were not paid by like fucking pennies well they, right. they talk about that a little bit in the movie where it's like when yeah they're, when they're eating the dogs and yeah. uh like we don't always get meat you know kind of stuff like that and they kind of refer like talk a lot about like the pay and like how it's not going well and shit like that hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so that I mean, the I, worst dog scene I've seen since I was a kid and watched Elf and Lead. <laughs> it's bad. It's fucking yeah, the dog scene <laughs> in this is so bad. And it's like you know, shout out friend of the show Ryan Jackson who uh, does uh, the Mass podcast, which is really good. You should go check that out. Yeah. Um, his review on Letterbox I thought was really. He's like, this movie's like transgressive in a way a lot of films nowadays claim to be. Uh-huh. Uh, that that really stuck with me because like this movie like like I said it's not even about like, how graphic is it is it's just about like following these characters and having sympathy for Midori and like seeing everything happen to her and just wanting so badly for her to like get out of this and like have a happy ending and knowing it's not coming <laughs> yeah yeah and like so- <laughs> sorry Matt go ahead no I was just gonna like reiterate the point of how fucked up it is but go you go ahead no, you're, you're... <laughs> well I was gonna say like you know like and something I picked up on this time too is like you know I kind of said the silver lining was the dwarf pedophile magician <laughs> which he kind of is but like I didn't really pick up on how much he's like not very good to her 
either. Yeah. Like, he very much gaslights her and like treats her like shit in a lot of ways and treats her like property more than like a human being. Yeah. Her her silver lining is literally becoming a child bride. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. This movie is unbelievably bleak, man. <laughs> yeah. I was man. curious about that watching it. I think I took a note down where I was like, I wonder if this character and this arc for her is part of a uh like a social commentary on times past mm. um, as far as like the way that 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 a lot of societies functioned uh where like child brides were the norm uh for like rich and powerful men you know yeah what's well, like uh it's funny like a sweet movie kind of plays with that a little bit too which is a completely different movie that we need to cover one day but where essentially it's like oh you have to um win the virginity contest to you know be subjected to you know being a, a bride to this fucking weirdo mm. yeah i don't mm-hmm. know i feel like that that's probably a that's probably a commentary on that too like yeah um i don't know why i'm bringing up fucking sweet movie during this but you know <laughs> i took a note where it was like there's a moment i i can't exactly remember where it falls in in the film um but it's like a line that really stuck with me while I'm watching it this time and like how like just like miserable this like though again great fucking movie I'm just gonna go ahead and say that when I say it's miserable I mean it's meant to be that way you're meant to feel this yeah. um it, it's like I think it's after the dog scene and they're like sitting there and they're all laughing at her and she just like I she says I just want to go back to school and yeah. that really like stayed with me and I was like that's a fucking powerful moment <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, and like that's how I really would describe Midori. I think it's a really fucking powerful movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not fun. <laughs> no, not fun movie. It's a haunting movie. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a movie that lives, uh, you know, it lives in your brain, not by your own personal will though. And, um, uh, it does for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just think the fucking artistry in this thing is so stunning it like transcends mm-hmm. any of the harder themes to just like you know like you can like just think of like moments in it like just the guy with the bandages and like some of the great shots of him like hell the fucking poster mm-hmm. maybe where it's him like standing over top of her it's literally art like it's beautiful yeah. <laughs> but the movie is like fucking stunning it really but is i it's definitely one I don't like uh, revisiting all the time. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's, it's not, it's not good on your mental capacity. <laughs> um, music's also really fucking good. That was something I picked yeah. up on this time yeah. watching it. It's really good. It's a nice, like melancholic uh, score with a nice song at the end. That's kind of a toe tapper. Kind of a toe tapper. Yeah. <laughs> you need that toe tapper in this movie. Yeah. What the, like was it was it this or was it Yurosuka Doji that had the fucking like weird lyrics in it though? Oh, I don't like, remember. It's probably it was probably Yurosuka Doji. To be honest, it was, I think it was. I think I know what you're talking about. It's just so funny because like, you kind of feel like how this movie like has an effect because it's like we're talking about Yurosuka Doji, we're laughing and hooting and hollering, and now it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> this, movie's, yep. this movie's sad. Well, it's just it's this to me. It's like not not in the like. In a bad sense because I, I think there's definitely a place for like Kuritsuka Doji, but um, this is so much more of mm-hmm. a film, it is than that, you know. Um, yeah, it's so much more layered, it, it seems like it's a lot more, um, 
like I think I think I would really need to just go out of my way to see if I can find some like really solid uh thesis on this or something because it seems like it has a lot of um cultural layers mm-hmm, as well sure. especially with the um the uh like ancient period like artworks and things and this uh historically significant artworks and imagery shown at the beginning and tail end of the film yep um that are like actually like like lifted imagery from like real you know like prolific japanese art um and i i want to know what those mirroring themes are and what the similarities are and what the uh the overall like overarching story is and and what it's trying to say because it seems like it has something uh culturally significant to uh explore yeah yeah definitely does um and there's a lot of parts so like there's, there's just like things they'll bring up and then won't really be brought up again that like it definitely feels like it means something or is important in some way like for instance the girl who has the penis like yeah. it's kind of like brought up in passing and it just feels like there's there's definitely a reason why that happens mm-hmm. you know it's not just for shock value i don't think i don't think this movie is for shock value i think it, it really has a message and something it has to say i ain't smart enough to figure that out but (laughs) but it definitely does like we were talking about with the um like kind of the more debaucherous and like really really removed and out there uh ways that aeroguro has transformed in like the contemporary age i feel like this is much more aligned with something more reminiscent of like the original tenets of that movement uh it's something that's like there there is obviously like in just just by the uh the conceit of the art itself there is an element of shock but it is not shock art mm-hmm. like that's not the purpose you know like i think that that's there but it's it's almost like a it's it's really it's really a mind fuck like like i mean that's kind of like what arrow guru is anyway it's it's almost like a it just really plays with a lot of um pretty innate and primal emotions in ways that uh may or may not be good for the human brain in large mm. doses like this. So, yeah uh, hence uh some of the uh new manifestations or mutations of the subgenre in in the modern era mm. but uh yeah <laughs> well it's like you know this movie in perfect blue actually shares some same dna where it's like there comes a point in time as the movie goes along where you're you no longer are like know exactly where in reality you are right like as midori moves along it becomes more and more fantastical in a way yeah like with like mutations and monsters and weird shit that it's like i don't know like it's just so fascinating like everything about the movie like is interesting and it's a very short watch so like if you've never seen it and like you've kind of been hesitant to watch it due to its representation reputation Reputation. (laughs) thank you (laughs) then yeah you need to seek it out and see it it's it's a fucking masterpiece i think (laughs) i understand why it's like lumped in with like quote unquote like extreme cinema or whatever but i also genuinely if you're willing to like meet it halfway and give it some context i don't think this is nearly as challenging of a film as people make it out to be Mm, I I i think if you have the sensibilities to be able to withstand extreme horror then you're like well and well far above what you need to be able to appreciate midori yep it's it's a lot more accessible than people make it out to be i think a lot of its reputation has to do with like 
slim pickings as far as those kinds of aesthetics go for like animated films yeah yeah and the and, things that it does push but it's it's again it's handled in so much more artfully of a way than like even even the good like serious like late 80s and 90s like ovas and that sort of a thing like those are even more like kind of like glitzy and pop arty than something like this is this is yep. like way way deeper than that yeah it's not it's like it's not throwaway trash it's it's definitely like art yeah yeah <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a masterpiece. I really love this movie. <laughs> like, like honestly, like, like going into this, I was definitely like, "Oh man, I, you know, I do really like this movie." The more I hear you all just like go back and forth on it, the more I am like, "Okay, maybe I I, I need to bump that bump that score up a little bit more." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, There's, because... I don't know. There's just not many movies that give me the feeling that Midori does. Like when the credits roll and the song is playing, like it, I, like I feel like I experienced something. <laughs> it's, the, it's the darkest like fantasy movie you can probably watch. Mm-hmm. At least, at least in my mind, anyway. It's like it's a movie that, like, if it was not like uh, you know so rooted in Japanese um, culture, it's like Guillermo del Toro would make a great version of Midori. You know, like it has that yeah. same fantastical style. Yeah, to it. something that it reminded me. Like I, I love. Um that kind of like dark fantasy uh theme in 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 films and uh yeah because uh, when you said that Guillermo del Toro that and that made me think of uh like the first time I watched Pan's Labyrinth yeah like that's yeah. like when it first came out like that's kind of the feeling and it's similar to the feeling I got when watching Midori for the first time uh, Pan's Labyrinth is a great comparison actually it really it's is like similar to uh like kind of the dark take in like American McGee's Alice uh, mm. video game or like something like that too. Like just this like young girl going through trials and tribulations that has like almost a whimsical or fantastical overarching theme, but there are like really, really dark undertones at play and like psychological undertones at play, you know, and harsh mm. realities and that sort of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't think any of us have actually sat down and watched the live action version. I am curious. No. I'd yeah. like to see it. I don't know how they would pull it off, but I would like to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I was scrubbing through and checking it out without subs, and I, I thought it was interesting enough, but it's it's one of those things where I feel like it's uh, it's just made to be another new piece of media for people that are enthusiasts of this piece of media like i i don't feel like it, it it was it was interesting it had some really interesting visual elements but nothing that quite is it's not nearly as like memorable or remarkable as anything that you see in this or would see in the original uh manga i i feel like as far as the adaptations go and their emotional capacity um and their ability to be emotive uh this is probably the best one yeah uh just because i think there's something added with the uh the actual like vocal performances and the animation and then things that you only get in internally when uh, trying to conjure it by reading manga versus this with this mm. animation and the, and the music and, and whatnot. But the, um, the live action seemed a lot more like it almost had the kind of vibe as, as, as like a Sato film or, you know, like, or like something like the Meichan adapt- adaptation or, or something like that. Like it's mm. not a, there, it just doesn't have that impact. It's it's not really uh, 
it's just not nearly as stark i guess it just didn't read that way it read way more fantastical um, mm. yeah i don't know yeah anyone That's... got anything else to say about midori <laughs> um i mean of course check it out man a bunch of notes on this <laughs> i i let's see if there's anything else that is like worth it i i it, this really makes me want to look more into um and and i've already been kind of following some of these threads back anyway with my own uh stuff i've been working on but uh i'm really interested in looking more into the uh conceptual origins and kind of the ethics of aeroguro as an art movement and like what the inception was and why you know mm-hmm. and, and it was as kind of like caution to the wind self-indulgent as like some of the newer stuff would uh trickle down to be or if it was originally made with something a little deeper in mind um i'm interested in exploring that more and this is a movie that really sparks that interest if that's something yeah. you have any kind of an interest in i feel like this is a uh this is probably like the quintessential piece of media for it um if you want to get into that uh it also just makes me really question a lot about the um i guess that innate quality of uh sexual perversity or predatory sexuality in a lot of uh dark japanese art and media mm. uh and and how that seems like it's a very deeply seated uh like cultural thing uh, in terms of like not necessarily i'm not saying that about like japanese people but about like japanese like mythology uh, yeah. yeah folklore and things um and if if the extremity that's explored in Japanese art um, has to do with the richness and the longevity of its culture, because Jap- Japan's like one of the oldest fucking cultures. Like uh, there's just so they have such a rich history as far as uh, art goes <laughs> mm, <laughs> and, yeah. and so much of it, even, even like ancient shit, you know, is, is like strangely perverse. Um, and I've yeah, always for sure. had, had a lot of interest in understanding like, from a Japanese point of view and from a Japanese like cultural leaders and historians, like what their takes are on that. Yeah. And if there are any good adaptations of that or like translations of that to English for people to pick up on. Um, But yeah, sadism, torture, sexual torture is like so commonly explored in like Japanese culture through artwork, which is very interesting to me that it seems like they have a really deep, in close relationship to the the aspect of psychological horror to the point mm. where like even more mainstream uh examples of like japanese horror have way more biting uh psychological aspects than most uh, american psychological horror <laughs> like, <Sure. laughs> like yeah. stuff that's setting out to be psychological horror because i mean we uh, chloe and i were recently watching it's not even that good it's kind of a shitty adaptation but it's interesting <laughs> enough we were watching this like four episode uh corpse party anime mm. and like some of the stuff that happens in it is just so like it's just like ghosts playing really cruel fucked up mind games with the characters and stuff and it's like otherwise that show has a lot of like pretty standard anime isms to it but the the psychological torture on the characters just goes so far above and beyond. And it's like, uh, with my own stuff, I'm really interested in understanding, uh, where that thread of sadism comes from in Japanese art and, and how much of it comes from mythology and folklore and how much of it comes from 
like feudalism in ancient Japan and like their military history and like the way that those things have like coalesced with society and and the way that uh even living by the sea and being so accustomed to being a culture that has to cope with like a constant slew of natural disasters in order to survive, like how much that affects the way that their art is created and what it's about. Um, And watching this, you know, it just makes me ask myself questions about like, like gendered violence and sexual violence in Japanese art and like what the gender politics in Japan are, because even though they have taken on so many Westernisms and pop culture, they're also a pretty like strictly traditional society in a lot Mm -hmm. of senses. And I'm very curious to understand more about that because I know, I mean, you guys know too, especially in like the 2010s and on, we've spent a lot of time recently in pop culture, even in like pop politics, like dissecting, um gendered violence in horror like horror has come under fire a lot of times for the way that it treats women and then you have like women coming into the fray and saying like well no it's empowering in this way or this is my perspective on it or other people that are like yes it's trash we don't want to engage with this because it, it promotes this this and this and it just seems like japan being like one of the most developed first world nations and considered to be like one of the safest places to live on earth. Like Mm. it's very interesting to see how aberrant the sexual and violent themes in a lot of their artwork and underground culture can be for sure. And I always wonder if that's like some sort of a direct response to that, like cultural stability to some sense, you know, kind of that ebb and flow of like, human dualism and like this the light shows darkness shows light shows darkness that that sort of a thing like i feel like it's it's always like a balancing act and that and it's interesting to ask questions about like what is the merit of their being art with no limits Mm -hmm. like is there merit to that or is it opening the door for more problems to to manifest you know, and I think there are a lot of uh, interesting parallels and, and counterpoints and arguments to be drawn about that question by looking at the way that it has metastasized into like Japanese subculture. For sure, dude. And this movie dude. is like very much like a good example of that. So mm. if you're interested in that kind of stuff, watch Midori. <laughs> <laughs> well, you brought up like a good point too with like uh like the psychological aspect of like Japanese horror and like you know I've been getting into more J horror stuff here recently because it's kind of a ship I wasn't really into at first and watching like the original Ringu and Juwan and Pulse there's like their like ghosts are so much more stark and like seated in sadness yeah yeah than like American ghost stories and I know that's a really fascinating like ideal of like that where does that come from yeah because there's almost like a way more inherently depressive aspect to japanese horror as well yes absolutely yeah solace i have one i I gotta say something okay dude if you ever decide to make a documentary or write a book about this kind of subject matter please please let me know okay (laughs) holy shit you kind of blew my fucking mind holy fuck all right brother (laughs) (laughs) i I plan to publish something eventually we'll we'll see Oh shit! Okay, I'm doing research, dude. Yeah, it was like a whole like history lesson, and I fucking love that shit. So <laughs> that was well, awesome. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to like just keep fucking rambling about this, but no. like Midori really like 
man, this resonated with me, man. Mm-hmm. Like, especially for like the stuff I've been exploring uh, since I got into this scene, because like one of my biggest like entry points and one of the reasons I wanted to like understand more was like getting into like unearthed films and the American guinea pig films and then going back to the original guinea pig films mm-hmm. and getting into like tumbling doll of flesh and like all the like weird arrow girl AV stuff and like, you know, like tracing all those little threads as far as they would go. But, uh, I, I notice, and this isn't like uh, a thing that I feel very strongly about. Like I, I, I don't care where people draw their lines in the sand, but I know you guys have probably seen it too. Like how there's a lot more, uh, drawing lines for for people in these scenes as far as yeah. like being like oh i'm cool with everything but i don't touch like the porn gore shit or like yep. the especially eroticized shit or like this or this or this i don't go there and i'm i'm it's cute it's interesting to see because it almost seems like we're looking at like a uh like this culture shock like like smash right now of like the japanese extreme and kind of the peeled back layers that have been fully exposed at this point as far as how deep and dark some of that art gets being put into the sensibilities of because even even extreme horror fans in the western sphere like regardless of what our personal beliefs or views are whether we like it or not like we're cut we're we're being we've been brought up in a culture that is largely puritanical in in source like that Mm -hmm. that's like what we are an offshoot of and so it's like in the american sensibility and american canon as far as art goes you see like almost any sense of violence is considered okay but as soon as there is a sexual undertone added it immediately becomes taboo yep and uh that's something that's i i don't feel one way or the other about it it's just really interesting it's just really interesting to see how that's almost like it's almost like a secondhand like pre-programming in the psychology of westerners yeah, uh, yeah. versus like the sensibilities of so, uh, love, love like japanese people um and like just because I, I think that sexuality is so much more like openly a part of their culture in a way like there's, there's something I, i'm i'm interested to understand more and i feel like i've only scratched the surface and there are a lot of other facets to look at this through other than like extreme art or underground art or whatever but like i'm just really interested in understanding more about japanese sex and body politics because i think that has a lot to do with it i think that yeah. has a lot to do with like why we consider it so differently um than they do and Hmm. and i also thought like you know i I feel like perversity not that perversity isn't in some way inherent because the the notion of perversity comes from doing things that aren't by default natural or inherent to like the the life cycle the normal human life cycle but there is a degree to which perversity is relative or contextual or culturally contextual and I think that that is a large part of why people are so willing and and able to just like completely cut off or like draw a line mm. at some of these newer things that are going into like the the modern arrow grow or like the porn gore territory or whatever like uh john doe and sam hell and like that kind of stuff you know like yeah and and to some extent i get it because there are some other people like lucifer valentine or like other people who have 
maybe push the boundary a little too far for reality. And I think that there's this stuff has been around in Japan so much longer than it has been a part of Western art. Yep. And it yeah. seems like in Japan, like we were talking about like laughingly earlier, but like people like Uziga Waida uh, and like those kinds of people that just take depravity and debauchery as far as they can go. It's like, no matter how you feel about it, no matter what your emotional reaction is to it, at the end of the day, it's just drawings on pages, mm-hmm. you know, and there's something different to be said as far as like the safety or that boundary line between reality and fiction that art can let people explore versus people that are maybe just now finding their footing and going way too far in the real sense in, in the Western sphere or in like the German sphere, because Germany has a lot of that too, with a, like the porn gore kind of stuff. And and almost has their own scene adjacent to it that has nothing to do with the Western scene or the Western canon, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's just really interesting. When I think of the cultures that are the most widely associated with aberrant, but also like very open or liberal sex politics, I think of like Japan, Germany, and France, as far as like the very documented and widely spread uh, examples of like subversive or transgressive media and art goes. Mm-hmm. And, and, but they all have their own flavor, you know, like they're all their own thing. And it's very obvious that there is something culturally significant in terms of the undertones represented in all of those works, depending on the country that you're looking at. And it's interesting to see like, where we are right now because and and i was so stoked about the the recent episode with uh jonathan doe with the art of self-harm because it seems like just no matter what uh, the the like conceit or like the sensibilities or like the the overall trajectory of his art is and the way that people perceive it from now to decades from now to however long people are perceiving it if if it even finds audiences outside of this niche once we're all gone you know um in some sense the fact that he's willing to the fact that him or any other filmmaker like doing that sort of stuff is willing to like stand steadfast in the convictions that they're trying to explore is on one side of the coin at least commendable you know, mm, because yeah. in, a, in a way they're at like an artistic ground zero of sorts. Um, and whether you feel strongly that that should or shouldn't be is neither here nor there, because I, I've been spending a lot of time recently with a more like tr- trying to broaden my horizons and find more c- context for my own like views or feelings on art in general and like paying more attention to the, uh, kind of the polar opposite end of the spectrum and you guys mentioned with white gardenia you even uh you kind of like mentioned how he had some similarities with like a figure like sam hyde or something like that and i've spent a lot more time recently like delving into sam hyde specifically but also kind of like the neoconservative extremity polar opposite kind of like horseshoe or spectrum of art and thought does this stuff only even exist as like an equal and opposite reaction to this stuff you know like the stuff that we're talking mm. about and is is it just like this endless cycle you know, of yeah. like stuff like feeding each other back and forth is that what makes it happen in the first place but 
that's not your hither there. It's it's I'm getting kind of out there and rambling now. But uh one one last thing I want to talk about with uh Midori specifically, back to the movie, is uh that amazing uh like grotesque deformation transformation yes. sequence uh when the magician was uh lashing out at the audience for uh heckling him. Um and there it happened a few times in the movie but it happened here and i think it was most significant here there was a clip that played during that sequence interspersed between all the gore where it showed a cute little like almost chibi-fied bowing buddha mm-hmm. the buddha's swastika was replaced with a axis swastika like the the corked like nazi swastika yep. on his head. and i thought that that imagery the the buddha with a nazi swastika on his forehead seemed like a really succinct kind of sum up and of maybe that chaotic uh that chaotic undertone of aeroguro to some extent like putting something so largely representational of like pure like chaotic evil with something so like peaceful and good in, in mm, terms of yeah. their cultural contexts and that just to me seemed like a really standout moment in the film but that's, yeah yeah but i digress that's 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 all i want to i want to stop <laughs> so but that, i mean i think uh, it, it, this movie just really opened up a lot for me um yeah okay. and um like like you're talking about like you know germany germany in uh Japan specifically, like talking about like, like their like takes on like sexual sexuality and violence in some of their media, which is interesting because like sometimes like Germany will ba- outright ban some of the stuff from coming into the country, mm-hmm. yet the, the people distribute that stuff there. So it is very like I feel like it's one of those things where you can like go back in time a bit and like look at even like world war ii and see like the repercussions of that you know the of the, of the fucking chaos of that time period in general and right. see how it reflects on their artwork and and it's and like I, it's like atomic warfare in the inception mm-hmm. of kaiju you yeah know? and that's that's largely i think a lot of, because i i don't know if uh i think something that's really interesting about um, the prominence in in like mainstream culture right now of like um i guess more more like liberal ideas around sex especially like the the fact that lay people are now being exposed and like to some extent getting into the the concept of like bdsm is like very interesting because if you trace that stuff back for for me my my first like peek into that world was like the gay piercing scene of the 80s because like i was really into like body modifications and learning about that culturally in like high school and early adulthood and um like uh fakir and and like all the guys who who had the like what was the the studio the gauntlet i think it was called was like a primarily like gay male piercing studio in in germany but like um the like extreme forms of sexuality and and like the kind of interspersement or or the the interconnectedness between like bdsm and like body modifications and just like more extreme senses of like body expression and and uh body autonomy and and those things like i i would love to find more thesis writings on 
if they even exist on on some of those topics explored through the lens of widespread cultural trauma yeah uh, because if if you look further and further back into bdsm aesthetics uh one thing that you know you get into stuff that uh isn't even really considered now as far as like the more like racy stuff or like edge play or whatever goes but like there there are there are like subsets of people that are very into like nazi fetishization um, i mean you can even see that through like some you know cinema ventures with like the nazi nazi exploitation movement where they're taking yeah. people like elsa's she wolf of the ss and make it like hypersexualized and stuff but you can also trace that back to like you know, during the Holocaust, the whole time, you know, the period of time during that where they had like, you know, um, you know, stuff like the, the mov- movies like The Night Porter would be, be based on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where it was yeah. essentially like these like almost like sexual like camps in uh-huh. inside of concentration camps in Nazi Germany. So yeah. it's, it's very interesting. In, kind of go. In, a, in a way that's like it almost shares tenets with japanese aeroguro with the kinds of yeah. themes that are being mixed you know mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely man when we were on um ron jackson shout him out again podcast uh you know he brought up an interesting aspect where it's like you know the 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 effect the bomb had on japan and its art cannot be understated right yeah so it's like I feel like a lot of these topics that we're talking about, a lot of the things that like are represented through that, have to all come back to how traumatic and insane that experience would have been, and it can only be passed down through generation. It's not something you just ever really get over, you know. Like that's an experience that lives forever, and not not right. just like within you know the Japan sphere as well. Like when when the the bomb was dropped in Japan, it literally like. Begin, like I would say, the dropping of the nuclear bombs on Japan literally led to what would become the Cold War, and the Cold War, like look at the cinema that came out of that, right? right. Yeah, like like Threads. Threads mm-hmm. is a prime example <laughs> yeah. of yeah. <laughs> nuclear warfare and how it could impact our world. So, and then you can trace it back even further, as you know, you said earlier with like you know Godzilla. Godzilla, you know, was birthed because of the nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm. So it, it's so interesting to see how this traces back to a single period of time and how that trauma of that time period has made us all, you know, I, I you know, it's made us all different in some shape or fashion. But it just seems like on the Japanese and German fronts, their art shows that more because they experienced it, I guess. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Right, right. Well, and I think that the, a lot of those themes. Uh, it's like you see the way that it manifests interestingly enough being themes that are mixing sex and violence yeah and uh, part of that kind of like coined thing that I've been doing in some of my like running like personal pieces outside of commercial work with like the psychosexual horror thing is yeah. about uh the ways in which I think part of why human beings struggle so much with uh, dualism in in regards to our relationships to sex and violence is because they are two of the the most core primal innate behaviors and traits in human beings, but they're also potentially some of the most destructive. Um, yeah. And I think that's why politics 
and religion are so hyper-focused on, on those subjects, you know? Um, and for me, what I'm trying to channel with that stuff without taking myself back to a place where I have to like be stuck in it or relive it is like, yeah, I, I think a lot of my earlier stuff was a lot more chaotic and just out there in the sense of like, I was literally just letting compulsion take over and not even like thinking about what I was putting on paper and just seeing what happened uh, when I was like in the throes of like only just recently escaping like the the tail end of like why i'd call like my previous life like still being stuck in a really fucked up like narcissistic family system with a lot of unresolved childhood trauma and, and like sexual trauma and things and and i think that when you're in places i think that's why i'm so interested in exploring those themes both on the japanese and the the german fronts specifically i haven't looked into a lot of the like transgressive over of uh of France and, and other like European countries, because it, it's just like, I think it's being informed by something different, but I think that I, there's probably, there's gotta be some interesting context to be drawn from their bloody history as well. But I, I think yeah. that the older the society, the more likely you will find aberrant uh, behaviors, sexualities, uh, overt violence, uh, and other things being expressed in the artwork of yeah. kind of like the underground niche groups of those places. And I think it's just part of humanity experiencing its own light and dark. And I think being like the, the dual hemisphered brains and, and like the different things that we are constantly, unfortunately, every single person kind of like has this inner turmoil between those, those parts of the brain and they're essential for life and being able to function, but they're also at war with one another to some extent. Yeah. I think that trauma proliferates that in a sense where it makes it, it makes those barrier lines a lot more jagged mm-hmm. and it makes those things a lot harder to, um, to cope with and metastasize and kind of like keep at odds or keep uh, under wraps in the way that like quote unquote normal people or people without trauma history are able to do. And I think that's why uh, I feel so compelled to interface with the more accessible and the more accepted versions of that stuff and the, in the, the more culturally relevant and, and like yeah. world event relevant versions of those types of artwork. Um, and, and so, like, for me, the stuff that I like to do is it's as deeply personal as it is observational of the world at large and, like, the greater yeah. disparities of just, like, the human condition, I guess, if that well, makes well, that's, sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like like your, your piece that you made yourself, um, Thoughts and Prayers, is very much a great, like, reflection of you know modern american society in a lot of ways because it's like it showcases you know what is you know absolutely you know it showcases tragedy but it showcases what has is slowly becoming a very normal thing for people and it should not be that way you know what i'm saying that and i think just dulled perception and reaction you know like the yeah just yeah <laughs> what's it's like you know 
talking about even like cinema in like in in America, like you see what happened in cinema post nine eleven and post Columbine. Shit got dark. Yeah, it got dark real fast. And dude, like most you of the see stuff that. I've been focused on this past year has been like uh, early two thousands to late two thousands aesthetics, especially like mm. the era that the quote unquote like uh, like torture porn, you know, yeah. for the for the modern sense or the mainstream sensibility kind of cinema was happening, and how that was like a in a lot of ways a lot of that media at the time uh, violent violent music violent video games violent movies was all in direct response to 9-11 and the fallout 9-11 and the wars wrought by 9-11 you know and the the continued uh just constant battering of like cultural re-traumatization that was coming from those events and i think that's why you saw a lot of that stuff uh like i was talking about with like music nostalgia like i've been going through a ton of like the new metal and stuff that made mm. me growing up and stuff that my dad showed me growing up with like a much more culturally conscious and adult lens now and seeing how like when you're a kid and you don't know any better that stuff is like getting you through shit that you're not going to even understand is is like affecting you and how it affected you until you're yeah. well past it as an adult but we lived in war times you know mm. like and even if it wasn't on our soil, there's still there is still a psychological toll to be wrought there, no matter what. Yeah. It's just unavoidable. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think it's very important to see how our art reflects that. Like, so even though like something like August Underground was made, you know, before technically September 11th mm-hmm. happened, look at Mortem, you know, right? Look right. at what Mortem would bring to the table, you know, just like a year or two later. Yeah, and it, I think like it's an escalation. Yeah, and like even like Saul. Saul became the biggest horror franchise in America after September 11th because of it's like our it's almost like our like need for violence in our in our art, right? Became, in a controlled form and like a safe yeah. form and for the masses, which is crazy to consider. Yeah. It's like it's like you look at movies now because that is like, a like, mainstream movie. <laughs> yeah, mainstream as fuck. You could like see that in theaters across the entire fucking country, and like you can get that on you can get that DVD at like any store, right? And it's like it's crazy to reflect on that and see like how much has changed since then. Because now it's like some stuff. It's like not as widely accepted anymore. And yeah. I think that comes from just, you know, the, the passage of time, but who knows when the next thing happens that will bring that back for at least it's, in America. It's just a constant ebb and flow. Another, another thing yeah. that I, I see a lot of that I, I think is interesting. It, it, and it's not always this way, but I almost think that there's almost this, uh, as far as like art aesthetics and their, their place in like contemporary, like, pop media and pop culture is like you see things cycle back around there's this constant like ouroboros effect with that stuff and it's almost like every like couple of decades you'll see things come back into the fray again and and i think we've been seeing that recently where people are it's like that's just as far as like pop politics and and pop culture goes that's how it is it's it's like where we went back into this 
even though it was coming from a more like left-leaning sphere politically still moved into a much more like almost like a puritanical rebound to Mm -hmm. what the 90s and the early 2000s were and yeah. now it seems like people are starting to become more comfortable with themselves and not be so like scared of their own shadows or unsure of their footing with one another again and get back to a place where suddenly stuff that was racy or offensive is starting to just like not be again and people are starting to open up and people are starting to not care and like uh it'll probably be similar to some of the extremity or or like the kind of wild nature of some of the stuff in like 90s 2000s art but in like a more self-aware and controlled way this time mm-hmm. and i think that's, that's just kind of how how society functions i think we we just play this back and forth ball game and that's another way to experience and see that duality at play between people and between the light and the dark that we all kind of grapple with you know yeah Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's Fucking, anyway, sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> it's it's uh, almost 3 a.m. for me, so that's why you got that. <laughs> but anyway, if you want to wa- move on to Perfect Blue, I've seen that a million times. I don't have as much to say about it. <laughs> yeah, we can. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I just want to say that before we move on. That was great. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I enjoyed I'm that too. too. That was um, it was awesome to talk about that stuff. But yeah, we'll move on to uh, 1997 Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue. It's a masterpiece. Watch it. Roll credits. <laughs> That's all we need to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is about a uh, idol, Mamiya, Mamiya. Say. They say it. If I had my notes, I could have told you because I wrote it down. Mima, but Mima? I wrote it my phone. Mima, <laughs> Mima, I think Mima. Mima yeah, Mimarin is her full name. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's kind of looking to break I mean, out yeah. from that idol lifestyle to become a more serious actress and model, and she does so. She leads her group. Sham is it? Sham. Cham, uh, yeah, because yeah. I always want to call it Charm, but I know it's not. <laughs> you think about the show Charmed? <laughs> yeah, I start hearing Morrissey in my head, and like, <laughs> yeah. and uh, when she does so, she also discovers at the same time that there is a blog called uh, Mima's House, which uh, seems to follow her day to day life pretty damn closely. Yeah, and the stress of that, along with her, the changing of her profession begins to take its toll on her and her reality begins to slip and blend with the show that she's working on. And also at the same time, people who are, uh, I guess, directly responsible for her changing start to be picked off one by one in very brutal fashion. And we start to question whether or not that could be her or someone close by. And I guess that's the easiest way to sum up perfectly. There's a lot more to it, but you know, without spoiling everything, (laughs) man, one thing I'll say about the movie right off the bat though, is, the fucking social commentary of this movie. Fuck. <laughs> it's thick. Uh, I I was reminded of a, there were, it was at least a few years ago. I think it was during like the height of COVID, like the initial lockdown or something. But uh, I can't remember what fucking channel it was. It might have been like Super Eyepatch Wolf or the Gaming Brit or like <laughs> one of those ones that was kind of like big at the time on YouTube. But somebody did this uh, video that was about 
perfect blue perfect blue was the connective tissue but they were talking about the idea of um the avatar and like mm. how the inception of widespread uh uh kind of like social media in the sense of like like 90s forum boards and, and like the explosion of the internet especially in japan uh gave this new air of anonymity that allowed for a lot of like pretty dark uh, like behaviors to to manifest and they actually drew comparisons to the would-be uh bjork bomber ricardo lopez mm. um, and, oh, and like, compared him and that whole arc to uh the me mania uh stalker character in this uh and and i thought that was very interesting um and I, I don't know if the video would even hold up that well now, but it was an interesting uh, little like analysis retrospective thing for the time. It makes like, sense. It's yeah. Head. Yeah. Cause it's like, I'm sorry, sorry about no, the movie like has like so much to it. Like there's so many layers to it where it's like, it's about deep seated obsession, you know, yeah. an obsession that pushes you far beyond what you probably would normally do. But it's also about like, you know, I think it has a lot to do with like the Japanese culture and like how they work themselves nearly to death. You know, oh, yeah. she's pushing herself so hard and so like out of her comfort zone that it's literally starting to drive her mad you know so that's another element of it too and it's like also about like you know long stalker gone laws. stalker laws for sure uh -huh. you know long gone fame and trying to rekindle that with the roommate character you know, without without spoiling a lot of that but like yeah there's so much to unpack with like when it comes like like satoshi Kon packed this movie to the brim with social commentary, but it never bogs it down to the point where it feels like you're watching a political piece. No, it right, always right. plays successfully as a very good, like horror thriller. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Which what that makes me wonder is, um, cause perfect blue is an adaptation of a light novel, mm -hmm. um, by, a uh, Yoshikazu Takeuchi. Um, and in terms of it being considered a light novel, which is a really loose term anyway, but like it's it's not really considered like something with a lot to say. It's not considered like a, an, a serious novel or like a high art piece or anything like that. It's just considered like genre convention thriller, you know, like mm -hmm. something typical, like something that would be marketed to like late teens to early 20s like like one of the more like uh mature like fucking i don't know like rl stein novels or like one of the like slasher paperbacks of like the 90s or something like that in in america but like uh it makes me wonder if a lot of that social commentary is as pronounced in the original novel which mm -hmm. recently had a, a translation release i need to pick it up i've been meaning to for a while now um there's an english release now but it uh I wonder how much of it was uh, Cone kind of like adding that um, in, into into the way that he cut it down to this feature um, and like kind of playing with those themes in a more overt way or if they were there uh, mm. to, to a deeper extent or if it was much more about like titillating psychological thriller, you know, like as far as book form goes. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting because, like, the movie plays a lot with, like, perception of reality, too, and, like, yeah, what you, yeah. like, believe is your own reality. Because, like, with Mimiye, there's a great fucking point where, like, it, the movie plays such close attention to the layout of her apartment for multiple reasons, not just for, like, yes. the website, Dude. but for the twist ending, which, again, I don't want to spoil. That switch up is fucking masterful, man. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my it's God. So, like, it's so, like, 
heartrending. Like it, it's just like ugh. Like it feels like a gut punch once you like realize what's yeah, going and it like unfolds. Like the, I feel like at least the first time I watched it, like starting to be like, now wait a minute, that's not yeah. supposed to be there. That's not supposed to be there. You know, it's like, and it's also like pushing you to be like. Shit, am I as obsessed with this girl's room as dude? Exactly. Even the other person, because like I'm hyper focused on it. (laughs) So subdued with the way that everything is played out, like the the idea, like the way that it lets the viewer also start to question their perception. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, as the movie goes on, is really interesting. But like the thing that's crazy is like I've seen this thing so many fucking times at this point but like even then like even though i like know the story beats and whatever it's like if i'm not like paying full attention to this movie and it's kind of in the background it's like you can still become like kind of lost in it mm-hmm. like yeah. you're just like oh wait what what part is this like what's coming next like what's up because it just like that kind of like insane erratic like mixing and, and remixing of of like scenes and scenarios and, yep. and playing with reality is just like it's so discombobulating like like it's not yeah. something that's like in any way shape or form like easy to follow typically in like a linear fashion so it's like if you're not actually like invested in the story watching it's it's like you can kind of enter that weird like fighty flighty state of mind you know oh, yep, yeah. for sure like letting the things play out in front of you it's an it's literally at least for me it's an animated anxiety attack yeah it really is it's just just like a combination of things that are happening in this movie just it gets under your skin to a point where you're just like you start to question your own reality in a way yeah but it's like you know what's real and what isn't in this movie and then you even like look at your own life and be like oh what was real there and what wasn't yeah i don't know like it really plays with that really fucking hard and i've fucking adore it for that because it is a you know plot wise it is a linear plot but as you said it's not told traditionally at Mm -hmm. all well it's like Like it's told oh sorry go ahead no i was gonna say we're with mamiya you know we're with her through this whole thing so we're living this through her eyes so when she starts to become disoriented we become disoriented Mm -hmm. we don't know what is happening anymore and i think it's really cool and like i think it just shows how much of a like genius satoshi Kone was but like it really begins with that first line she has in the show where she's like, who are you? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that really sets everything off. Cause it's like, she begins to question that in multiple ways, like both rea- in reality, who are you? And within herself, like trying to figure yeah. out who she is as a person. Well, it's like throughout the movie, she, tr- she essentially chases a pretty much exact copy of herself. But who from, she like, used to be. Yes. It's a, former version of herself from you know her idol days as she's trying to pursue acting and it's just like is she losing grips with reality or is this really happening do other people see this or is or is this all in her head you know i mean it does the movie does you know without spoiling it because i definitely want people who haven't seen this to watch this like now turn this off watch it (laughs) but you know um you kind of get a glimpse into what the reality, what the truth is in the, mm-hmm. in the, the movie's uh, storyline. Yeah. Also, I, w- I would definitely say too, like genuinely, if you haven't seen uh, perfect blue yet and you don't already know the story beats or like any of the, the like twists or anything to it, uh, 
Yeah, I, I think I think you owe it to yourself to just let yourself experience it organically. Yeah, like, yeah. I would say like if if you typically are like because I'm kind of like this. Like when I listen to podcasts, even if I haven't seen the movie, I'm just like, okay, whatever. This will just like I'll forget enough by the time I see. Yeah, it. <laughs> that's why like, I do too. <laughs> I, I would just say like this is one to like seek out first. I agree, hundred percent. It's just it's, worth it. It's just it's just kind of it's just a really unique experience. It's, it's like also a... if you're not a fan of anime, you know, if you're not a big fan of you know anime in general, it doesn't matter. Watch no. it. It's a great entry for that because it does not it doesn't rely on or suffer from anime isms. It's yeah. straight in the sense where like this would be the same movie if it had been shot live action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And like again, I guess maybe I was just thinking about music because much like Midori, I picked up on how fucking great the music is oh in this movie. God, yes. Dude, the that repeating main theme mm-hmm. but the like vocalization of the and yes. like yeah. up and down shit like it almost has this weird fucking cadence to it where it reminds me of like the kind of like repetitious noise you'd get from like a windshield wiper or mm. some yeah. shit like that but it's also like the up and down of the tone is very like manic it like, is there's yeah. something really like psychologically like upsetting or unnerving about it um mm-hmm. and the, they use it to such great effect in that kind of like fade in volume fade up and out that it has when it starts to kind of like come into the background of scenes that are starting to ramp up and psychological tension is like so cool it's so good oh, and it's yeah. so memorable too like it gets i just like think about it I do too, I like, know. Yeah, i've been sitting here the whole time thinking about it yeah yeah <laughs> like after i watched it like i had it stuck in my head like the entire night and uh-huh. like it's like it is like absolutely a an amazing piece of music for the movie and just yeah. on it you know by itself but in the it, context of the movie you can almost compare it to that of a hum you know like yeah. the, like the stories of the hum where it's just like it gets stuck in your head and it does drive you crazy to an extent and mm-hmm. then i think this is what this movie's objective is kind of to do in a sense where it's supposed to make you and you know the lead character like question their own sanity yeah yeah no i i I think so too and i think that it's it's crazy because like the loop of it like Mm. there are elements that get layered on but uh, overall i think the whole thing is like i don't know maybe a minute long if that yeah 30 30 to 45 seconds or something uh in any of the instances it's used but it's like it's staying power and its ability to get stuck in your brain not not only is that like really would that be great in any uh piece of uh movie music like like that would be great in anything because it makes your your piece more memorable you know but Mm -hmm. like in this sense the fact that you know the reason it's there the way it's functioning why it's there just Mm -hmm. makes you think oh man that's that's a masterful composition made with a pretty minimal approach yeah it's just the uh it just shows how adept uh the composer was when creating oh yeah yeah and it's like the movie plays as a great drama and a great horror movie yeah yeah like those two elements are perfectly like if there was no like giallo-esque murders the movie would still be fucking great (laughs) yeah i almost forgot that that shit happened by the way (laughs) 
<laughs> so when that first fucking kill happens, I was like, oh shit. Which what a great Dude. visual when the fucking elevator doors open. Oh uh-huh. that's such an amazing visual. Like it's so good. <laughs> it's so uh, good, yeah. Have either of you seen uh the Stephen King adaptation, The Dark Half? I have not, no. I'm years ago. I don't remember nothing okay. about it. Though. <laughs> there was I remember I, I haven't seen it since I was like a kid, but I remember the first time I saw Perfect Blue, uh, that part with the elevator doors reminded me there's like some like dark hallway sequence with an elevator in that movie where a character's being like stalked and like the lights go out and it's like red emergency lights and an elevator at the end of the hall. And it really reminds me of like mm. that, that tension in that scene. Um, but man, that that initial um, like ice pick murder uh, with the, the guy at the apartment door and shit like that. Yes harrowing man uh like yeah in, in that that like there's like a, a dick stab there's like like a stab through like the bony part of the hand and into oh. a phone like there's like so much like just awful awful shit and there's a there's a part where he's like holding his face and like tilting and stuff and it looks like he's been like rotoscoped for the animation like they actually did have someone act that out and they like mm, yeah frame by framed it which is just so cool um it holds up so it just makes it so much more convincing there's so much more like visceral emotion and reaction in the scene but also the uh that ice pick murder stuck with me for like ever like like yeah. ever since i i saw this because like I've, I've had people ask me and like really like really old like in college interviews and shit talk about like uh oh what's your favorite like weapon in a horror movie what would you use if you were a slasher or like some shit like that and i, I would say like probably an ice pick just because it has like a brutal factor to it that like nothing else does. Like there's something Mm. so fucked up about the idea of just like getting stuck with a bunch of little tiny holes in you with a fucking dick. Like, Ugh, man. <laughs> it's another such a, it's such a visceral choice for a weapon in this. <laughs> another it great is. aspect of that kill too is like, cause like the whole time the dude's like, oh, you're a weird pizza guy. He's very calm, cool, collected. And when he gets that first stab in the eye, like it actually takes a second for him to like come to realization right, right. of what's happening. And then he's Ugh, like, yeah. ah. and then he's freaking and that out. Moment fucking hits too. Mm. Oh yeah. Ugh. That it's, kill is so fucking Argento-esque, it hurts. It kind of like, is, yeah. It reminds me of, like, some of the kills in, like, fucking, like, Suspiria and... Deep Red. Comparison. Yeah, Deep Red. Uh, even, like, fucking um, Inferno and, you know, shit like that. Like, just, and, like, you can, with the eyeball stuff, you can even, like, say Fulci-esque to an extent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? It's, Dude. Yeah. Uh, two of the like most memorable pieces of imagery from this movie that just get stuck in my head are um, I think most people's too because if you see like gift sets and stills of this online you see these a lot um, is the the part where um, the assailant is stabbing mm-hmm. and the projector is playing on the wall yes um, and the light is being cast onto their body like as they're doing it um and also that scene toward the the tail end where it's like meme bloody face mima like holding oh. her face and smiling with the headlights uh illuminating her um those two are just like ooh. yeah <laughs> i fucking yep. love that image. real stunning imagery and we like we touched on a little bit like with like the perspective of the room and stuff like that this movie at times is genuinely scary and chilling yeah yeah like yeah. that reveal without spoiling it, 
like every time I watch it, no matter how many times I watch it, I'm still I get little goosebumps and I'm like, man, it that's gets, so fucking well it gets done. Under my skin. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is it's one so of those creepy. Where it's like if I watch this alone, like at night, I still, I don't know what it. I, I think largely in part it is also that like that fucking theme. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> but like something about it is just like it really gets to you, man. Like. And I've I've seen like the worst of the worst at this point, but this is like so much more like impactful and and like effective even past its prime. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Continuing to do what it does well. I would argue like the only negative about Perfect Blue is that when you talk about Satoshi Kon, you have to talk about him in the past tense. Like yeah. <laughs> for me, this is yeah. like a perfect movie, Dude. and it's so sad that he, he passed away. What was he like forty something? He was. Like, he was not very old it's amazing that we got what we got and like the stuff that he's made is, is stellar, but like Mm -hmm. I, yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those artists where it's like, I, uh, you just, you just think about like what could have been, you know, uh, to continue, you know, he definitely had a lot more to give and I would love to see him tackle horror. And he was, he was in the process of it too. Mm -hmm. He was in the Mm -hmm. process of giving that. And then, it all hit the fan that and that really fucking sucks yeah yeah i'd love to see him tackle horror in time because like again perfect blue to me is like not just one of the best animes or horror movies it's just one of the best movies ever made yeah it's fucking incredible but also like he did a short in the memories anthology called magnetic rose mm-hmm. and that's fucking brilliant so i would love to see him tackle horror one more time yeah, uh, I gotta get a copy of memories it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I fucking love Perfect Blue. I think it's I think it's genuinely one of the best movies ever made. It's a masterpiece. It's also like when you go on like you know review, review sites, it's one of the highest rated movies you, you'll you'll see, and deservedly so. Yeah. Like it, it deserves every bit of praise it gets. Like if I remember correctly, it's either on Letterboxd, it's like a four point three or four point six. Shit, it should like be that. a five. I don't know why. <laughs> Who's rating well, this shit low? Overall rating. <laughs> Some people are going to be dickheads. <laughs> Have either of you seen a black swan? Yes. Oh yes. Yes. Okay. So see, I still to this day have not seen it yet. Um, but like I know that people compare it like incessantly to to Perfect Blue, and that's part of why I think I I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, because I I imagine it's just gonna pale in comparison to where I can <laughs> hold this one. Yeah. Um, and not not in the sense that I, I like. I'm trying to take anything away from a, who who made that was it Aronofsky or Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, um, I'm not trying to take away from uh, his work or that like if it's a, like a light adaptation or whatever, because uh, I think he's done some interesting stuff. But like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like when I think of Perfect Blue, I'm just like it's there and it's everything I need it to be. Mm, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I will say Black Swan is really fucking good too. It is a great course. movie. I will say it's yeah. not as good as Perfect Blue, but it is really yeah. Good. It's on yeah. Chloe and I's list. We we rewatching uh, Perfect Blue because she uh, came home when I was in like the second half of it. We were talking about it earlier. Like oh, we really need to get around to that at some point. And it's really kind of like you know it's kind of a trope in cinema that it has been around. Like it made me think of movies like stuff we've seen recently, like Symptoms. Me and Matt watched, which is Ooh, about kind of yeah. like this like isolation, this one girl isolated from the world and what it does. Like watching the mental state deteriorate, or even like you know we did a porno Memories with Miss Aggie. Yeah, it has a similar like trope to Perfect Blue. However, I do think this might be the best Man. version of that story ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, those memories yeah. of Miss Aggie sounded in that episode like really, really interesting. I've actually it's been, really you know, fucking good, man. Yeah, yeah it's great. Then. 
I highly recommend that movie too. <laughs> yeah. And also, thank, oh, I just want to say for a second, thank God for Martin Macabre for putting out Symptoms. Yeah, Symptoms. It's if you haven't seen so that one, that's another one. Good. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. another one for sure. <laughs> yeah, Perfect Blue, man. I I don't know. I love this fucking it's, movie so much. <laughs> yeah, I could I could easily put it in like my top of like uh, all time on anything. You know, it's legitimately one of my favorite fucking movies. And like to rewatch it for this episode was an absolute fucking like pleasure. Even though it does make you fucking like anxious as all fuck, you're like, oh god, the tension is like through the roof in this movie. Well, it's like. <laughs> Yeah. I had to watch it before work, literally the day we're <laughs> recording this. So that's never fun. I never liked doing that. So I was just like, fuck, okay, let me just get it in so I can get it. And I was just in it the whole fucking time. The whole movie, I was just, like, the first time I watched I was just glued to it. So it's, yeah. I don't know, it's fucking great. I got to see it in theaters a handful oh. of years back. Uh, there are uh, a few theaters sort of kind of nearby that'll do, like, really cool, like, limited screenings uh, of like art house and animated stuff and, and whatnot and uh perfect blue makes its rounds i wouldn't be surprised if it came back uh in another couple of years or so and i think chloe and i were talking about it earlier how we would really like to go out of our way to go see it yeah. again because it's really cool in theaters if it ever came experience if it ever came to central cinema near us we have to go in a fucking heartbeat i do think it has played once Damn it. <laughs> I had to work. I think, uh, yeah, it happens. I think this is. I think it was before I even had seen it too, though. Because yeah, I've seen I think this so. like because we we had a weird double feature that day. It was like no reason, and then Perfect Blue. Oh, the Inbox <laughs> movie. Yeah. Oh well, you know, <laughs> it was an odd double feature that day. But I do hey, like that movie. <laughs> that movie's wild too in its own right, but. Man, yeah, Perfect Blue is perfect. <laughs> it really is. It's an apropos title. <laughs> and like, oh, again, and it has a lot of blue. It does. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, without spoilers, the fucking end of this movie too. The the end line is just the, the chef's kiss, the cherry I, on dude, top. Yeah, I I took a note for that. I was like, love that ending line so much. Like, it's like satisfying. Really actual oh. moment, man. It's such a it's such a satisfying ending. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a cop out or anything like that. It just feels like the perfect way to end the movie. <laughs> I will say I am proud of myself for not going this whole review without bringing up the stalker guy. Oh, how like he looks horse. like how he looks like the haunts horse. <laughs> yeah, the haunts. <laughs> Dude, when when he's in his little like stalker den and the posters are talking to him, yeah, bones like, are moving. I was man, that's so good. <laughs> it's so good, man. Yeah, and also the um. There are a lot of really awesome, like surreal and like dreamlike sequences that are kind of reflecting like the like psychosis of these like villain characters and shit. Um, th- that are really cool. Like the uh that final chase sequence mm-hmm. when you're like seeing the reflections of uh Rumi and the uh the windows like huffing and and trying yep. to catch up and running, and then you see this like glowing dreamlike visage of the perfect pristine Mima in her cham uniform, just like. Gl- gliding around yeah um and hopping from surface to surface and like that interplay between like the kind of like that inner psychosis with like reality like kind of coalescing and happening on screen at the same time is super neat um and i almost thought that that end line seemed the same way because uh mima was like well on her way already by the time those nurses were like 
like kind of chatting about her and then she says the line at the end and it's almost like it plays with viewer perception and like where everything stands in reality one more time mm, yeah. <laughs> like before it cuts out it was really interesting god this movie's so fucking good man it's so it good, is like, good like i always hate when we like i know i know the uh the listeners of the show love when we talk we talk about movies that we don't like but man, it oh, I love fucking like going to movies like this and just being like, yes, this is fucking amazing. Mm. I love this shit so much to be able to cover something that I genuinely fucking adore is always a fucking pleasure. Hell yeah! As I was watching this movie, I was like, man, I need to get a perfect blue tattoo. I think I will do that. Mm, that'd be cool. <laughs> so. <Weeb. laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Perfect Blue was one of the like least weeby anime tattoos that you can actually get. Objectively. Oh yeah, <laughs> like generally, like as you can be like, like the quality of the content goes. If like one of our listeners listens right now and they're like, I hate anime, like I hate it, you'd still would love Perfect Blue. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As long as you are into like psychological thrillers, like you would like perfect blue like yeah i just can't unless you're just completely turned off by animation or like the japanese style of artwork and animation like i I don't imagine that there would be much to turn you away from it yeah 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 i will say like if you don't like animation at all the fuck, what are you doing bro you don't like any animation <laughs> go watch some spongebob <laughs> go check out some of that cool ass like really surreal like soviet shit that's that's big. Dude. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen something oh. like like what was it? it like sixties and seventies like Soviet animation and stuff. Yeah. There's all kinds of that stuff on like YouTube and stuff now. It's, it's really what's nice. that dude? Uh, Schwinkmeyer is that his name? I don't. He's I think I he's. Um, oh, I haven't he's taken down like names. Holy! I've, I've become aware of it. He's yeah. a fucking amazing stop animation guy. He's like my one of my favorites. <laughs> Hell yeah! Who's in? Who's in the short film? Uh, food. I don't think By so. Him. It's no. like it's in such a, like the, the people like like eat the plates and stuff like that. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, you need to watch that. It's so <laughs> okay. Yeah, anime. That was fun. That was really fun. I don't really know how to wrap um, it up. I don't have like a thematic. It's just a genre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure we'll come back to it. And oh I yeah. One hundred in. No, fuck 100. 300%. <laughs> We're going to have uh, Silas here back on at some point. Yeah, holy fuck, I, dude, I would love to do uh, more specifically on this, like uh, with uh, anime. And, and also, um, Wicked City was like one of the first OVAs I ever like rented from the video store. Like, way too fucking young. <laughs> um, so, like, it. I, I would love to talk about that sometime, like you were saying oh, yeah. originally on the list. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely, uh, definitely yeah. for sure. And I want to talk about that. I'd love to talk about like kite. I was gonna say kite. That, that's the one I want to do next time. Dino Cyber, you know, like Elfin Lead, like fucking Helsing Ultimate, Vampire Hunter D, fucking When They Cry. Like, oh man, dude, <laughs> there's so much. There's so much. I know uh, we were also talking yeah. about uh, having you back on in the the near future to cover a uh an artist mm-hmm. who uh is still very oh, yeah. prominent to this day which we can we'll hold that to we'll, we'll keep that in uh up our sleeves i guess i'm gonna but, put that right um, in your pocket yeah buddy <laughs> oh dude i I'd, I'd love to just talk about fucking art in general too <laughs> oh my god i'm, I'm so down for that but uh yeah 
I guess that's all for now. I don't really have any updates of anything. But what about you, Silas? Where can people find you? Where can they buy you stuff? Buy the merch. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at x psycho underscore not n a u t x um and i have a link to my big cartel shop there right under like right in the bio but uh it's shut down right now for the holidays because i you know i just don't make sales around this time of year nobody has fucking money (laughs) so it's like (laughs) why, why would they be buying my my shit right now but um i will probably have it back up sometime in early january uh but I recently released a book with my uh, good buddy and local friend, um, Ryan Kobe, uh, called Artie the Anthropophagus. And if you're more into the uh, John Doe and Martin Trafford side of like extreme horror and stuff and like the Nico Klo era, like the true crime kind of stuff, you'd probably like this. It was originally pitched for uh, Serial Pleasures and uh, unfortunately the, the book dimensions and stuff just didn't fit with the uh amazon self-publishing like uh Mm. thing so i had to go through a different source to get it made um and do it on my own but uh it it started the inception of uh psychonaut publishing and i plan to do more collaborative efforts through that with uh other people in the scene and we i have already been in talks with a few people about that um so that that's exciting and cool and stuff i want to to do but uh Artie the Anthropophagus is about an average Joe office worker guy who is also a cannibal, but in like a happy-go-lucky fun way. Um, so you should you should check it out and give him some love. Uh, again, sometime in January because uh, he's not available right now unless you want to uh, DM me directly. And you can purchase stuff from me directly, but I'll just have to flood you with a bunch of pictures of items. Uh, <laughs> um, I've also got a thing going on with my uh, good close personal friend uh jonathan uh cryptid john uh i think cryptid john is also his handle on instagram you should check his stuff out he uh he's got the coolest big box classic pc game collection i've ever fucking seen and is a huge media nerd like all of us and and has a lot of cool stuff and he's also in the 3d printing and does really cool uh, miniatures and also hand paints them and shit uh but i'm planning on releasing a uh first of hopefully many eventually um line of little 3d printed uh like figures for people's shelves uh called a uh, pernicious prints through psychonaut toys uh, and it's a collaboration between me and jonathan um and this first one is going to be a grotesque little like pig soldier guy um who's really nasty and gory and and zombified looking and there's uh, a gun and bullets and a helmet and 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 <laughs> bones and 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 herds and intestines and all kinds of shit on them um <laughs> i'm really excited to get those done and release those i'll probably have them at the the next uh, cinema wasteland that i end up being at whether that's uh, april or october um but yeah those are the upcoming things uh i guess also sorry i don't mean to take up your guys's time Stop, go ahead, no man. this is what this go is for go for it. I, <laughs> uh, I guess maybe I'll, I'll say more publicly i want uh psycho not to be more of a uh less just like my thing uh and more of like kind of a almost like a lifestyle brand 
for like people that are into this kind of stuff that are into like underground cinema and extreme horror and like offbeat art and like shit like that like it, so that's kind of the idea i'm trying to hit bases that other other people aren't really focusing on because i think there's a lot of like movies and t-shirts to buy but there's not like books and toys and and collectibles and and one-off art pieces and weird shit like that and like zines and whatnot and i'm trying to just do more stuff like that uh to kind of fill some of those niches i i do still have plans to eventually do maybe like a a short or something but i i don't i'm not really one of those like uh, quantity prolific types as far as that go- like I think I've, I'm going to be way too like anal retentive and and like <laughs> weird about it so it's going to be like a probably like a one and done like all my resources go into it kind of fucking thing but um, in the meantime I'm going to go do all this other stuff I'm also yeah. working on music and and uh, all kinds of things so uh youtube happens sometimes also the same handle as the instagram uh, i haven't been on it for a while because the fourth quarter is the busiest time of year for me uh but i uh plan to get back to it and maybe i'll do something that's not shitty let's plays if people give me uh feedback or ideas or interact or <laughs> what they want to hear or what they want to see um i just, I just like want to say first episode of a more like open talky philosophical a show called Psychobabble on there that I kind of started. So if people want to go listen to that and give me feedback, I'd love to hear that. Um, yeah. And, and also I've done like, I think my Instagram has been kind of dry recently, but I've done like six or seven new movie covers that I just haven't been able to show yet. So, so like I've been super fucking busy this year, but I just haven't had a lot to post. So like, yeah, Things are still very active, but a lot of stuff is just very like behind the scenes right now. So hopefully I will have a slew of new shit to show people um early in the new year. So Hell yeah. Yep. And hopefully Dude. if we don't hit more authoring issues, uh... you'll be able to purchase short shits, which has an amazing cover by Silas. Yes. So I hope that's becoming first of the year as well. Yep, absolutely. Um I'm so excited for that. Also, I just want to say that uh, your Let's Plays are really fun. I love watching you uh, play these games and just having a fucking blast. It's always fun to watch. Thank you, brother. It's been a lot of fun to do, and it's really helped me, I think, uh, loosen up a lot um, mm-hmm. in terms of like interpersonal uh, stuff for, for like being able to get out there and do this kind of stuff more because I was, I was pretty spooked and clammed up for a while, um, but I feel a lot better now. And... Uh, I also got uh, a brand new microphone so I can make let's plays that don't sound like other shit now. So you <laughs> have, like the really bad, but super tedious audio balancing that I spent days and days and days of troubleshooting, trying to perfect and still <laughs> couldn't make it not sound like reverberated shit. Um, but hopefully this will be way better because this microphone is already 10 times better out of the box than my other one and all of my behind the scenes tech tinkering was able to accomplish. So hopefully way better content from here on out. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Just want to thank you again for coming on. This has been a great time. I've really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. This won't be the last. You will be back. (laughs) (laughs) 
But, oh, yeah, uh, man. I appreciate you so much. This has been this is more fun for me. I think I love I love this and I love you guys and I love your show. And I am also one of the psychos that listened from the beginning up to now. God. And that's something God. I did at some point in the past year. Um I I had a time where I was like, how do I not tear my hair out at work? And I was like, I could start one of the podcasts in my niche community from the beginning and and i don't regret it at all i don't know why you guys are so uh down on your old episodes i think they're very funny so uh, i'm really, uh, I'm really to have seen and been able to uh consume and catch up to the way that you guys have grown and prospered since and i'm super stoked for the state of the show i think you guys are doing really fucking awesome stuff and i really appreciate your uh your openness and your willingness to uh approach hard topics and stay neutral and be part of the reason that uh outsider art thrives and is able to have a place in the world and I hope that you sometimes take a step back and think about the cultural relevance of the things that you do, because it is very much culturally relevant and it's good, meaningful stuff, whether you think so or not. Wow. No, thank you, man. Yeah. That's where we're going to end it because, uh, toot my own horn, toot toot. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, uh, I guess with that, I have all the set. What, what are we doing next? Have we figured that out, Matt? No. Never mind. <laughs> so let's just, uh, we'll do what we always do. I'm John. And I'm at. You can jump in. I'm a. <laughs> Who am I right now? <laughs> Whoever you want to be. I'm Psycho Nun. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been listening to the podcast dedicated to the dark side of film, Sick on Cinema. Cinema, 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 cinema. See you later, Dick Face. <laughs> <laughs>